Traveling to consciousness, exploring spiritual journeys to find answers in uncertainty. What is up, Conscious Monkeys? Welcome to another episode of Traveling to Consciousness. As always, I am your host, Clayton Kateri. Today's guest is a spiritual TikTok star. You may have seen her on TikTok by the name of, hey, it's Rosh111. And so I had to reach out and said, hey, what's up, Rosh? Let's, let's get recorded. Uh, so she is dedicated... <laughs> Uh, so she is dedicated to exploring the universe and all aspects within it, pretty much as our, us in the audience and myself included. She discusses things from your third eye to karmic debt to shifting realities to ego deaths to the illusion of time to free will to parallel universes. And if you thought that was a lot, she talks about so much more. <laughs> I think we all know how deep the rabbit hole goes. Uh, so without further ado, let's talk to her about it. Conscious Monkeys, welcome to the show, Rosh Warren. Wow, that was hard to say. Rosh Warren. No, you're fine. There it is. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the so first much. time I said it together, and I was like, maybe I should have practiced that. <laughs> no, you're fine. That was such a great introduction. Thank you uh, so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. <laughs> hell yeah. Um, well, welcome to the show. Uh, yeah. So the first place, right? Because shifting all these things, right? Shifting timelines, third eye, parallel dimensions. I, not too many people grow up with that sort of thing. And I would assume that the first thing you wanted to be, maybe it was a TikTok star, but uh, without putting words (laughs) in your mouth, what was the first thing that you wanted to be whenever you grew up? Yeah. So the very first thing I wanted to be was um, a reader. I like like a psychic I just reader. Loved reading books. No, I loved reading books. Um, oh. and so much so that like this was like before the age of the internet, right? So <laughs> I like went through all of the books in my family's bookshelf, and then I like would start to read encyclopedias. Um, yeah, I, I would read the dictionary, like just anything I would read. And it got so bad that my parents actually had to ban me from reading Whoa. <laughs> because like I, I wouldn't sleep. I wouldn't eat. Like I just had this like it, it was a hyper focus on like reading. So that's like the very first thing that I wanted to be. And then after that, it like shifted into writing. Um, yeah. And that's like pretty much that stayed like an undercurrent in um what i wanted to be what i grew up or like when do we really grow up but uh, <laughs> hopefully never <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but, but that's yeah wild. that stayed I mean, like an undercurrent before we start the show i must warn you that there are ads throughout this podcast episode If you'd like to get the show ad-free, you're able to get access by downloading the official Traveling to Consciousness app. It's available in the Google Play Store and iOS Store. I will note that there is a small monthly fee associated to get these episodes ad-free. And this is an important part. Make sure that any purchases you make, you make on the website, travelingtoconsciousness.com, because products are going to be 15 to 30% more expensive through the app. Because, you know, the big boys got to get their own check. Even though you're purchasing this stuff through 
the website, you will still be able to enjoy all this content on the app. Now, if you prefer the free route, you can get a free login on the app and that will grant you access to challenges and notifications when new episodes arrive, discounts, exclusive content, and so much more. All of this just by searching Traveling to Consciousness in your phone's app store or click the link below. Conscious monkeys, I need to tell you about these psychedelic fabric mushrooms that are absolutely incredible that I've just come across. They're all one of a kind and are honestly a perfect trip buddy. They're an incredible addition to anyone's like house or room who takes psychedelics and you have a certain spot that you like to go and relax. You're going to have to check out these Aquarius mushrooms. These high-end mushrooms are made with 100% recycled material and are all one of a kind. Honestly, these mushrooms are something I'm not going to be able to describe in words alone. You're going to need to check out the link below and search to see if you can find one that resonates with your soul. Remember, they're all one of a kind and made from 100% recycled material. Aquarius mushrooms. Premium mushrooms for the new age of enlightenment. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. I mean, growing up, like I wasn't the best reader. I didn't enjoy reading. So like I could have definitely used some of that <laughs> if you're looking to give it off to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but- it's um, it stayed with me, honestly. That's like everyone always asks how I know what I know from my TikTok videos. And I tell them it's like tons of reading. <laughs> Well, I mean, that certainly was going to be a question at some point. So I'm glad you took the initiative to answer it already. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But it's super cool because I mean, so, so let's, let's try to stick in this for a second. So did you just like, did you only, did you see like a future in that? Or like, was it kind of just like an obsession where you're like, you just got your hands on everything that you could to read? Yeah. So with writing, um, I was pushed into the gifted program. Um, and I, sh- I shouldn't say pushed because like I did like go through the effort to take the tests and like go in there. So I was in the gifted program for writing specifically. Um, and I used to go to summer camps for writing. <laughs> it's like, I loved it so much. So like there was like a summer camp where like um, college professors would come in and like you would take their courses on writing. So I did that from like sixth grade until end of high school. Um, and then as I was about to like graduate high school senior year, it was like, what do you want to do actually? So I told my parents, like, I think I want to be a writer. Like, it seems like that's where my life has been leading me. And they're just like, no, that doesn't make any money. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but uh, you're going to regret that. And so I ended up going into journalism uh, because at least they said with writing, that's something that could actually make money. Um, but I hated it. I, it, was so, it was so different than um, creative writing. With journalism, there's like a formula that you have to follow and it has to be sensational. Um, yeah. And it just like totally brought me away from my love of writing (laughs) that's so wild yeah and so recently i've gotten back into it um i've written like a couple of books over the years but like not finished them (laughs) but recently i've been like on my way to finishing this book i've been editing it all this year and hopefully i'll be done by next year 
Right. Power to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so fascinating, right? Because I mean, and it's so, I guess it's so interesting too, because to me, it's like to hear that there's no money in it. It's like multiple things come up for me because I know in my childhood, like, you know, I was more of the athlete route and that was kind of my first love. And very quickly it became like, you know, basically nobody makes money doing this. And I find that yeah. so fascinating in your story, how this parallel of, you know, not many people make money. And so therefore you shouldn't do it when mm -hmm. in reality, people have made billions of dollars writing. I mean, look at JK Rowling, oh, yeah. Stephen King, you know, it's, but it's like the probability is low. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But if you're to dive into it, right. I, and so I, I just find it really fascinating because I, I assume you're also a millennial, not to age you, yeah. not to date you. No, so you're like, fine. I'm yeah. 32. I don't mind. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you never know. So just always play it safe. Yeah. <laughs> That's why sometimes on TikTok, you want to be like, appear younger, <laughs> being with the in crowd. No. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But so what I was getting at is it seems like maybe like our parents' generation, it was almost more like guided towards that safe route. Like, of course, there's money in writing, but it's like mm -hmm. on average, you know, not as many people buy books and or not as many people make it to become a professional athlete. So I always find it super fascinating yeah. when, you know, and it, it seems like it's a millennial thing, too, at least through these interviews, because mm -hmm. it's like majority of people have like this dire and this passion. But then it's like, oh, well you know, quote unquote, the real world, which I'm sure is a fascinating topic for you as well, kicks in. And it's yeah. like, it's like, no, it's like, you, you got to pick something else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's um, the unlived dreams of parents um, as well that kind of get put off on you. And like, you know, I had to get a job to support us. And like, I know how hard that is. And so I want to try and do the right thing as a parent to make this easier for you. So like, just get the job, and like get stable. Um, forget about this dream that like, I was ne never able to realize. So I can't give you the roadmap to like realize yours. Mm. Yeah. And I think like my mom specifically, she came over from Trinidad um, at like, the age of 16 and she came over by herself she um wow. her family only had enough money to send uh one kid at a time to the u.s and so she came over after her sister met up with her sister and like you know was just trying to survive and um yeah i, th I think that's where it comes from it it's like uh i don't want you to have to struggle so i get it you know but it is coming back around in like a roundabout way that now I do have to break down who I am and um, follow my dream because that's like, it, it's obviously something that's ingrained in me from like when I was a young child, <laughs> you know? Um, sure. And I, I do think that we all have these gifts, this, these gifts of genius that need to be uh, explored. Um, and they will be explored one way or another. It can either come out explosively as a midlife crisis, or you can do it, you know, when you're younger. So this is crazy because you said gifts of genius. And that is something that I actually thought about today, uh, because oh. in my last interview, we were talking about genius and being crazy. And mm -hmm. 
And so today, I just interviewed her yesterday, the person who I'm going to be airing before you. But the point is, is that I was thinking about it today and you said gifts of genius. And I was like thinking like, you know, I truly believe that because genius is such a weird thing, right? There's different ways to be a genius. You can be a genius of writing. You can be a genius of rocket science. You could be a genius in art. And yet society seems to create this mold of what a genius is, right? Like majority of people, when they hear genius, they might think of Einstein or uh, Newton, but that's a genius in the realm of science. And they, you know, Mm -hmm. were probably great at it. They probably figured it out. They probably loved it. They probably had everything working in their favor that made them the genius at that. So when you said gifts of genius, like it reminded me of something I thought of today was that I truly believe that there is genius in everybody, you know, and I'm interested in what you think of this is that there's this spark of genius. Like we're all geniuses. The only problem is, is we're being placed in an environment that doesn't cultivate that genius out of us. Yeah. So, um, yes, (laughs) (laughs) I do think that everyone is born with an inner genius and, um, it's very interesting because the Greek word for genius was actually demon, spelled D-A-E-M-O-N. And so the Greek word for happiness is actually eudaimonia. And so the you uh, is literally, it's meaning to make your genius happy, to make the demon inside happy. And so basically the thought is that if we cultivate this inner genius, which cultures know that we are born with this inner genius, there, there is a, um, to go off on another <laughs> tangent, there's an old Native American story um, of this boy named Poder. And he ends up going through this journey to find his genius that he was born with. And it basically teaches the culture that you're all born with this inner genius. Um, But if you don't cultivate that, then it can turn into your inner demon and come out in explosive ways. Yeah. So to go back to the Greek. Yeah. So this is something that originally uh, we all knew. We all knew that we had this inner genius. But as we've moved towards a modern culture it's like this special thing that like you can't have but they can have it and it's like no that's not what it originally was that's so fascinating right yeah. so like so like to even summarize what you're saying is if you sub if you're taking that genius and t- let me think about this we have the genius we're play we're born yeah. with the genius but if you're in an environment that isn't cultivating it or isn't allowing it to thrive or to manifest into the world, then you will then manifest essentially the demon aspect of it or the hate mm-hmm. hate filled or anxiety or sadness yeah. or depression because now you're living in an environment, let's say society, let's say your parents growing up, whatever it mm-hmm. is, who have defined what it means to succeed and it's not in alignment with what that genius is. So then it cultivates yeah. a demon. You become angry. You become mad. Mm-hmm. You become ty- tyrannical yeah. or cynical about the world and its nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you lose meaning in the world. That's when nihilism comes out. And I, I do think there's an epidemic of nihilism in culture right now. Um, oh, for sure. And... It reminds me of the movie. I haven't seen this movie in such a long time. So uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the details if you've seen it. Um, but The Golden Compass, where everyone has their own demon. 
I haven't seen it. And the demon is the okay. It's uh, it, I think it's a great movie. Um, so basically, um, oh, and then they also did a show on it on HBO called His Dark Materials. Um, so basically, like everyone has their own demon, and their demon is an animal. It's like an animal spirit. Um, but the demon is also their gift. And yeah, so, so I guess that's what uh, I think C.S. Lewis wrote that book. But I think that's what he was uh, hinting at is that inner genius. That's so cool. Yeah. So, I mean, so you're bringing the books back up again, which I'm assuming this is how I you know, know. I know. All this. No, I love it. No, I love it. I, I'm, <laughs> I want to cultivate it. I'll try it. This is an environment to like explore that. <laughs> yeah. To thrive in. Um, so, so then let's even stay back there let's go back to whenever you were reading all this time what yeah. kind of genres were you first interested in and because i because i'm assuming there's a way that you kind of made this journey towards spirituality were yes were those the what were the first like types of books that you started reading reading then um so it was really whatever i could get my hands on i was reading so like i said i like went through the whole bookshelf. Um, there was like fiction, nonfiction, whatever. And then encyclopedias, even <laughs> magazines. Um, yeah, I, I was just reading whatever I could. And then it kind of became like an escape escapism um, because I was bullied really badly in school. Um, I think I mentioned to you before that I'm neurodivergent. And so now I'm really um, outspoken about the fact that I do have ADHD. I am uh, on the autism spectrum. And so uh, my mind just works differently. <laughs> um, and so books to me around that age of like middle and high school became something that I could escape into. So it was more like fiction, like Harry Potter's, uh, Lord of the Rings, stuff like that, where you could be the hero of the story. And uh I didn't really get into spiritualistic reading until I would say like 22. Um, that's when I really started getting into it because I had this like, I basically had the death, you know, that happens when someone goes through initiation of life um, and I need it to. So that's when I got really into the spiritualist books. Conscious Monkeys, I need to bring your attention to this company that I've been using over the past few months, and probably longer now if you're hearing this, that has absolutely changed the way that I'm actually interfacing with the world. It's a company by the name of Conscious Technologies, and what they do is actually create these harmonizing units. And what it does is it actually takes the rotation of EMF frequencies that are in your area and harmonizes them. They make them in line with the true natural frequency of the universe around you. And they're incredible products. I actually went and I've tested out their quantum flow unit. I've tested out their meditation bed, their core harmonizer. And quite frankly, they were so incredible that I actually bought the cell phone EMF harmonizer for my cell phone. I was also lucky enough that Ross threw in a necklace as well. So I've been wearing that thing. And quite frankly, I'm even wearing it to bed and my dreams have become so vivid and just intense that it's pretty insane. I honestly feel so grateful to have it. Their mission is to bring forth technologies that support the harmony of mankind and the world at large. Go check out their stuff. I mean, looking's for free. And if I'm being honest, if you click the link below and make a purchase, I do get some kickback. But quite frankly, I wouldn't be promoting it if it didn't work. So with that being said, go check them out. Conscious Technologies, LLC. 
link below. Conscious Monkeys, are you looking for a CBD cream that actually works? I've tried many different CBD products and I've really never truly felt like any of them have worked for me. Like maybe there'd be like a little bit of tingling and then it would fade pretty quickly. Then came along Revive CBD. From the first time I tried it on, I could tell that there was something different about this product. I noticed that any joint pain I had was gone within minutes of applying it and it lasted for a significant duration. I don't have an exact time for you guys, but do your own test. <laughs> so if you're still looking for the right CBD cream, then this might be the right one for you. Because if you resonate with my vibe, then maybe you'll resonate with this vibe. I actually kind of just made that up on the spot. So hopefully you liked it. <laughs> Check out the link below. And as a side note, like always, the link below is an affiliate link. But again, I would not be promoting them if it didn't work for me. So hopefully it'll work for you. Again, check it out below, myrevibe.com. Get yours today. And with that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the interview. That's so that's so interesting. Uh, so the first thing that's popping up here is, number one, I'm not 100% sure what, I have an idea, but in your words, <laughs> what does it mean to be neurodivergent? Yeah, so to me, neurodivergence is just a difference in thinking. Okay. So it encompasses different. Um, hmm. I don't know how they classify them now because before it was like disorders, but now I think that they're like getting away from that word because they realize it's not a disorder; it's just a difference of thinking. Um, but yeah, it, the things like ADHD or autism um, are classified under that. So okay. it's a blanket. Because it's interesting because neurodivergent, like wouldn't technically everybody be <laughs> neurodivergent? Like we all have different yeah. ways of thinking. And some, but I, I think it's a little different because society has um, molded itself, I think, around a certain type of thinking. Mm. And there are some people who can adapt more than that to that than others. Um, yeah. So I think that's where the big distinction comes from. Like for me personally, I would never be able to like work a full eight hours a day, which I don't think anyone should do. But there are some people who can like do it if they have to, mm. you know. If I'm super focused on something, I can do it. And if like I'm passionate about it, but majority of the time it's like, nah, it's yeah. like, even even doing this, like editing stuff or uh, creating certain content, like it's like I'll do it in blocks, like I'll do it for an hour or two and then. I got to go work out and then I'll do an hour or two yeah. then I'll go eat. Like, it's just eight hours doing one thing is difficult. I, I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's really difficult. And I mean, even bring us back to ADHD, right. It's like a yeah. part of me thinks that there has to be some sort of container that it's like, okay, well, like everybody can, you know, quote unquote, everybody can focus for eight hours. But if you're not able to focus for eight hours, then we classify you as ADHD. And, and I don't, and by the way, I'm by no means do I know any of the de medical definitions of this. Um, yeah. so it's, I, I say this as uh, heartfelt as I can to you because I really can't personally don't personally don't know the medical terminology for it, but but where it gets interesting, and I'm I'm kind of dragging here a little bit. Where it gets interesting no, is if it comes to reading, right? Are you, like you're able mm -hmm. to just sit down and read for I assume yeah. long periods of time. Yeah, so the autism comes in. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's, that's where it switches. Special interest. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, well, you think of um, people that have genius, where modern society thinks of it. Um, 
people who can do crazy calculations in their heads. Um, that's originally what people think of as autism, like, oh, okay, like they're a savant or like, you know, but there are so many different, um, it's a spectrum. So there's so many different ways that it appears. Um, but a lot of people do have a special interest that they can do for a very long time. Well, but so then this, this makes it interesting for me. Right. And, and whenever I say these things, I also want you to know that this is me kind of trying to understand and almost challenging the societal challenging the societal words or classifications that we're using to categorize people right so yeah based on how that was kind of broken down right is you're saying that you have adhd unless you're reading mm-hmm. and once you're reading then it becomes autistic but wouldn't mm-hmm. that just be okay you're super passionate about reading and you just love to read yeah so autism hmm Because I also, whenever you find out that you have one of these things, you go through like a couple different stages. (laughs) So one of the stages is like denial that you have it or like, uh, I don't want to label myself Mm. because I don't have this. But um, it does present itself in other ways and where I know that it's coming out um, and that is what it is. And I guess, um, hmm. and it, it, huh, it, it's interesting in what you're saying, because when I look at my astrology chart, my natal chart, um, I can actually see different planets, um, that indicate that I would have some of these struggles. So like certain planets are like, oh yeah, you would definitely have ADHD. You would definitely have these autistic traits, um, And it's like, oh, did I like come into the universe because I wanted to learn lessons associated with having these things? Um, But yeah, I get what you're saying um, in that how do I know that it's autism when I'm like sitting down to read? Is that what you're saying there? So again, I... I'm not very well adverse. There was a kid across the street growing up who had autism. He was younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I guess I know it manifests in different ways and I'm not very mm-hmm. acute to the, to knowing what like the medical definition is or, you know, quite frankly, yeah. how serious it is. I really don't, I'm sure it's a spectrum and a scale, but just based on the way that, you know, your story's playing out the way that I view the world mm-hmm would just be like, yeah, you're not interested in things other than reading. So if it's not reading, you're not going to focus on it. The society Mm -hmm. classifies that as ADHD, but in reality, you're just not passionate about it. But then Mm -hmm. when it comes to reading, it's like, oh, like this is where my passion lies. So you become hyper-focused on it. And like, I feel like that's normal. Like when I'm super passionate about creating a video, like I'll just jump into it and do it for four or five hours and time flies by. Mm -hmm. And you know, I've never... Actually, it's funny. I've actually said that maybe I've been autistic a little, but I've said it kind of as a joke. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Tons of people <laughs> say that. Yeah. But but I don't, I, um, I don't really know. So I get, that's just yeah. the way that I view the world. And so that's why I'm kind of presenting it in that light to you. Yeah, I think I, I should have done a better job explaining. Um, so my autism extends like beyond my special interests. So like... Um, when I'm in a conversation with someone, it would be harder for me to like, 
I would have to actually think, okay, you need to like look into their eyes, like, or like you need to do it every now and then, because if you look away the whole time, they're going to think that you're weird. Um, and as I was growing up, there are certain things where like, um, People always say to me, uh, oh, you have such a nice smile. You like, I love when you smile when you talk. But that's actually something that I trained myself to do because people were saying like, oh, you look like stoic all the time. Um, you look unapproachable. And so I was just like, oh, so humans, uh, they like smile or like they do this thing <laughs> when they want to seem approachable. <laughs> so that's what I have to do. Um, and it's called masking, but like you basically do all th these things socially so that you can adapt. Um, so, so much so that like um, even emotions or like sarcasm, um, I don't get sarcasm. So that was like a big thing mm. growing up. Um, and I have like a overabundance of, um, or I guess I should say that I'm very sensitive to energies or things around me. And so like lights, for example, um, there's almost never lights on in our house <laughs> because I can't deal with artificial light. It literally hurts me. Um, it like hurts my body, <laughs> which is like hard to explain to people. Um, but yeah, autism is like very much um, more woven in. Yeah. So this is interesting, right? Because <clears throat> yeah. as you're talking there, I feel like I'm maybe <laughs> I might be on the spectrum then as well, because yeah. I know that, I know that there have been times where I have, what was it? Like whenever, like when I would try to be sarcastic, it would come across as mean because people wouldn't know that I was yeah. joking. So I kind of had to like teach mm -hmm. myself to laugh after the fact. I do know yes. that there have mm -hmm. been books I have read on things like, you know, eye contact, how to kind of create speech, let's say, or, mm -hmm. uh, you know, connect with people. Honestly, like I started reading books to yeah. figure that out. Uh, a huge catalyst came whenever I did some plant medicine to kind of like unlock some traumas in my past, which is, you know, another story. But I find that interesting because I just feel like it's, I don't know, I guess if you're not aware of society, like, like, I don't know, because to me, it's like, that's something yeah. that just comes easy to some people and some people just need mm -hmm. to learn how to do it. Or maybe it's just like the way it comes mm -hmm. in. So I don't know. I mean, either yeah. maybe. It, yeah, it's interesting. Um, Dolores Cannon actually has a talk on this where she talks about people with ADHD and people with autism are actually the new wave coming in. Um, mm. And so this newer way of thinking with ADHD, that faster pace of thinking or with autism, the uh, focused in the zeroed in way of thinking is something that's needed on this earth. Um, and it's like, people want to, I think originally with autism, especially with organizations like Autism Speaks, um, people wanted to, uh, kind of eliminate that. They thought it was a disorder. And so they wanted to change that way mm. of thinking to fit more into modern society. Um, but what Dolores said was that, no, we need to adapt to that way of thinking because it's the new wave coming in. So, yeah, I do agree that it's not something that should be looked at as like, 
I have this thing wrong with me. And that's not how I look at it anymore. There are points in my life where I did look at it like that. But I think it's more so like I just think differently and me thinking differently can be helpful. And there are others like me because when I was growing up, the only people that had autism were like white males and they actually didn't even extend the diagnosis to people of color or women because, yeah, because they didn't think that we could have it. (laughs) So, you know, it's, yeah. (laughs) That's crazy. And okay. So this parallels something else that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Um, you brought up Dolores Cannon, so I assume you've read some of yep. like the Life Between Lives books. You've read like Michael. Oh Newton yeah, that is books. what okay. I talk about a lot on my channel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I might have missed those videos, but all right, cool. No, um, you're fine. So to like get the viewers up to speed with where I'm going with this, the core concept is is that you know our soul is this infinite thing that travels and has multiple lives. Um, it, honestly, if you're listening to this podcast, it's highly likely that you this is not your first life because if you're attracted to all these ideas you've likely lived multiple lives before this so where this gets interesting right is a part of this is where you choose your life you choose your incarnation you choose certain life events that you're going to have throughout your life to experience life lessons now okay so and this might get a little political but let's try to keep it away from politics but where it gets interesting is like i've looked at the landscape of how we've it's almost like there's like so different social revolutions, right? Um, of course, from slavery, but I was even looking at it from the lens of uh, like gay and lesbian. And then, you know, just in like 2010, like it was legalized that gay marriage was legalized. Um, and so it seems like, you know, the next wave that's kind of coming is the idea of transgender. And where this got really fascinating for me was this idea of, you know, if we picked our body, if we picked the lives that we were coming into, then how could it be that people believe that they have found themselves in the wrong body or the other gender? Mm. And so for me, I feel like that's such a a fascinating concept of like, well, if they pick this body, but then did they pick this body in order to argue that they were in the wrong body? Or is this kind of like something that they're trying to trigger in our subconscious to just be more accepting of more things? Like, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I'm interested if you've, ever, yeah. Yeah, if you've ever thought about that. Um, I actually got a question on that on one of my videos. Um, I, tons of questions, actually. Um, and so for me, what I think is that the soul wanted to learn how to move through this. It wanted to learn how to move through that adversity. Um, but bigger than the soul. I think that universally, um, the lesson that we're supposed to learn as a society is that we do have this duality, this um, duality of genders or um, masculine and feminine within us, and that we can, like, it is a very fluid thing. Um, Yeah, I, I think that it is supposed to be a lesson in there, though. Um, both for the individual soul and for the universal consciousness as well to understand these concepts. It's interesting. I mean, there's always a lesson, right? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> but yeah, I, I specifically, I have people who are transgender that comment um, on my content and ask like, 
well, if I can choose any life, why did I choose this one? And that goes back into when people ask, you know, why would people choose a life of poverty? Why would people choose um, to be born gay in like a landscape that doesn't accept that? Um, Why would you choose that? And Alan Watts actually has a really great lecture on this um, where he talks about the universe kind of being cold in a sense um, with the lessons and us as humans, we don't understand that because we do have empathy um, and we do come up to, from a space of like, oh my God, why would the universe let that happen to that person? But the universe is more so coming from a space of like, this needed to happen for growth, for expansion. It doesn't matter what happened. What, what matters is the growth that comes after it. Rogers Monkeys, if you're looking to start your own podcast, I have the two tools that you need to use to get that show on the road. And the names are Buzzsprout and Riverside. I'm combining these into one ad because, you know, I've honestly had nothing but the best for them. But if you're going to be using one of them, you might be using the other one. So what Buzzsprout is, is essentially the platform that I use to put my podcast out there. It's the reason you can hear this. That's the reason that I appear on all these different directories. The thing you might also need is that if you're interviewing people, you're going to need Riverside as well. And quite frankly, I'm using it right now to even just record these podcasts because they will even dilate in, dilate in. I don't think that's the right phrase for it. They will harmonize your voice so that it sounds equivalent. So if I start talking quiet at one point, they have a built-in editor that will actually make your voice sound crisp. I highly suggest Buzzsprout and Riverside. Go check out the links below in the description. And like always, these are affiliate links. So I do get a minor kickback if you do sign up with them. However, like always, they are incredible. The support has been on point and they always get back to me. So I highly recommend them. If you have any questions that are there to help. Conscious monkeys. I've got something out there for all my coaches. Anybody who has digital courses, anybody who's creating content, whether it's audio or video, you got to check out Superpass. Superpass is the super dope platform that I've been using now, and they're actually what has enabled my app to work. It's what's enabled me to start generating income and to help people more effectively. If you are a content creator, you create audio, video, whatever it may be, Superpass might be the choice for you because they'll provide you with your own app and they have a great online service to also help you out. So I'm not going to put in too much because everything they do is way too much to pack into this one ad. I will say go click the link below because that is where you'll be able to find all the information. This is an affiliate link and I wouldn't be promoting them if it didn't help me. Click the link below and go check out Superpass. With that being said, Conscious Monkeys, let's get back to the last segment of the interview. Yeah, I know there's a, there's a Chinese proverb. I actually just released this video on my Instagram, but there's like a Chinese proverb where you know it's about this farmer. Maybe you've heard it where he's like, you know, basically the illusion of good and bad, uh, you know, it kind of goes along the lines of like, you know, he has a horse uh, or he gets a horse. It comes to his farm. The town thinks it's so great. They come to his, uh, his, his house. They're like, this is so good. This is so great. And he's like, maybe it's great. Well, one day then his kid starts riding the horse. Uh, The kid breaks his leg and the entire town comes and they're like, this is so terrible. This is so bad. Uh, You know, who's going to help you with the farm? The farmer's like, well, you know, maybe it's bad. 
Uh, then like a week later, uh, you know, China goes to war. And so the military or the government's looking for all able-bodied military age men to fight for the war. They come to the farmer's house. They see that his kid has a broken leg. They're like, okay, he doesn't, we can't take him to war with a broken leg. So then the entire town comes. They're like, oh, this is so great. This is so great. And the farmer's like, you know, maybe it's great. And so it's really a great allusion to what you're saying. It's like, you know, why do we have to go through these tough times in order to, you know, actually transcend or actually like, like what, Mm -hmm. like what is there? And, and it's almost like that lesson or like learning the lesson is the, the catalyst in order to get us to that next stage or element in our evolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, um, I think the story is told across a lot of different cultures, but basically the story of creation. Um, so this woman comes down, she uh, creates earth and from her are born two twins, two sons. And it's like, um, some cultures call it the good mind and the bad mind. Um, mm. And so basically the good mind, the good son, he was like born the normal way, you know, it was a good birth. <laughs> and then when the other son came out, um, the bad one, he like kicked open her stomach and basically killed her. Um, but not really because she like became mother earth. Um, so then these two sons were like living on earth and, um, everything that the good son created, the bad son would destroy or create its antithesis, create its opposite form. It's more like dark form. Um, So they kind of like split off into different sectors of the earth. The good son had this side, the bad son had the other side. And one day this bird came up to the good son and was just like, hey, like I need water. And the bad side is the side that has water so i'm gonna go over there (laughs) and get some water so went over there found out that like um there was a frog that had like swallowed up all of the water even on the bad side so the good son had to go over and basically like kill the frog to release the water and so he had to go over into the darkness to birth creation to birth something and it's Mm. like that coming together of the dark and the light you can't have the light without the dark you have to have both of them um yeah so that's a beautiful story yeah yeah i really like that one it's um it's across so many different cultures too which is the crazy thing (laughs) (laughs) so as a quick step back, how many books do you think you've read in your entire oh, life? Oh my goodness. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> I I mean it's it's over it's hundreds, but I, I wouldn't be able to give you like That's a why. Do you remember do you feel like you remember all of them pretty well? Um hmm. I don't know there there are certain moments in my life where like things come up and i'm like oh my god i have a story for that or like <laughs> i like remember this from the story um but like on an everyday basis no uh but well, somewhere in the unconscious <laughs> yeah yeah but like somewhere in, in the unconscious it's there and i can like pull it out when needed um but yeah not 
regularly. <laughs> it's not just like on hand. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this like Akashic records are like <laughs> in my head. You're trying to create at them all times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty wild. So, so then have you read, I guess, uh, you know, some of the, like the sacred texts, like along the lines of like, just like the whole Bible or, you know, any uh, of the other type of texts? Yeah. So I was actually really religious when I was younger <laughs> and uh, I did read the Bible front to back. I actually couldn't tell you though, um, the, the entirety of it. It's just like very specific passages uh still stick out to me where i can call back to them mm. um but yeah i've definitely read that one i have the kabbalah um i have the um bhava gita um i i have not read them though i've read like half of the kabbalah um but yeah that is something that i want to do it's <laughs> pretty cool I was going to say, because that seems like it would be like right up your alley with like meshing the spirituality with yeah. you know, these these texts that have been around for thousands and thousands of years. Yeah. Um, one that I have read is the Hermetic Principles, but. You know, I keep hearing people talk about those, but I haven't gotten around to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would I re really suggest it, especially if you're interested in things that Neville Goddard talks about. Mm. It meshes beautifully. Um with that and it only enhances your understanding of what okay. he's talking about okay. yeah yeah because those are some because right because neville goddard was essentially like the law of assumption as opposed to like attraction yeah. mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. blew my mind whenever i first heard about it it's like if you're doing the law of attraction like you're always in this perpetual state of just attracting and it's like yeah, yeah i never really thought of it that way like that makes sense mm -hmm. it's always like I need, I need more. I need more of this. I don't have, it's like coming from a lack space. Right. All right. Yeah. That's cool. Um, so what are like, what are the, some of the, your favorite, uh, how about this? What's your favorite book of all time? Ah, oh my goodness. Um, hmm. I would say I have two. So the first one would have to be Dolores Cannon, um, Custodians. Mm. It's a good one. Um, and then the second one would have to be John Kabat-Zinn, Wherever You Go, There You Are. Oh, man. Can I say three? <laughs> <laughs> you can do whatever you want. No rules. And then um, uh, Letters to a Young po Poet would be my third Okay. That's pretty cool. I mean, yeah. I've heard, I've, I've kind of glimpsed over custodians or I've like heard a little bit about it and it's on my, it's on my wish list on audible. So that's oh, one I'm okay, going to get to soon. It's a crazy one. Does she do past life it's, regression it's... to figure out that as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was actually trained in the same, well, I was trained under her in uh, the QHHT past life regression. Oh, cool. Uh, so she does that to uncover these answers. And like, because I do that type of past life regression, I know that these things are real. Like, um, there are certain things that people say. For example, my boyfriend is not spiritual at all. Um, he really doesn't, I would say he's like, 
pretty atheist. He doesn't believe in much around spirituality. Um, but he likes to help me out. And so <laughs> he did a past life regression um, with me. And when we were under and I was talking to the source, the um, universal consciousness, I was asking him these questions and um, he gave me answers that he would never give. Like I was asking him um, about like money and um, what he was thinking about moving jobs. And so um, I was asking the universal consciousness, like, how he can feel secure in moving his job. And he was just like, the money will come. Don't worry about the money. I was just like, that is not you. <laughs> <laughs> Who am I talking to? And like, yeah. And uh, so it's funny because the universal consciousness says certain phrases and it says that all of the time. And that's one of the things that it says is the money will come. And you hear this in Dolores Cannon's uh, past life regressions as well. And my boyfriend did not know that phrase, but he said it. And I was just like, oh, that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's so wild. It's it's pretty crazy. What's also crazy is that I had no idea that you did uh, QHHT. Is that how you pronounce it? Spell it's QHHT. QHHT. Yeah. Yeah. And I've actually been thinking about doing it. So I might have to hit you up after to schedule something. Yeah, definitely. It so what, is a crazy experience. <laughs> yeah, I've, <laughs> I've read books. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so then, so with that, like, do people, do you set an intention? Like, and so for those who don't know, the core concept is to go into one of your past lives um, or even to go into your life between lives and figure out stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so how does it work to like set an intention with something like that? Yeah. So in the beginning of the session, we just basically talk about why they're coming in. People have all different reasons why they're coming in. Um, So it might be they're trying to figure out something from their past life. If something from a past life is carrying over into this life um, and causing them problems. Another thing that people um, try and figure out is if they made like an oath or a, a um, what do you call it? Um, basically this like promise in a past life that binds your soul to, um, a certain lesson. And then they try and figure out if they can overcome that. Um, so there's a bunch of different intentions of why people would do it. Some people are just interested. So then, but then do you see it? I guess, is it possible to set to like go into a past life? Like, Hey, I know that this past oh, life a specific exists one. or yeah, like that, or even just, um, you know, to visit like the time, I guess, yeah, visit a past life or visit like the time before incarnating on this earth where, you know, you're going through your life review, you're meeting with your masters. Mm-hmm. Are you able to kind of just do all of that? Yeah. So I, in every session, no matter what, go into the afterlife. Uh, where they can meet their spirit guides, the masters, and like see what that's all about. And then um, as far as going back into or going into a specified past life, um, how I've done it is if someone goes into a past life in a previous session and then they want to go back into it, then we can do that. But I've never had someone come to me 
with a past life that they want and then go into that. Because I think the universe shows us what we need to be shown. And so we can ask for that, but I don't know. I like to be more free flowing Mm -hmm. with it unless we're specifically working on um, a past life over like a couple sessions. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have, yeah, because I've uh, meditated and got to a place where I was starting to experience a past life. And I know like bits and pieces of it. I did an Akashic record reading where they That's... gave me a couple more pieces. Oh, and then, nice. Yeah. So I'm thinking like, you know, maybe there's more in there that needs to be unfolded. But I, I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. maybe getting personal and we can figure that out after the fact. No, I like that. It's super cool. Yeah. How long have you been doing that for? Yeah, there's so much. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Uh, I was just curious how long you've been uh, doing QHHT sessions for. Uh, since just last year, actually, is when I got my certification for it. Okay. Yeah. There you go. That's yeah, so cool. I mean, so and then do, I love people, it. do people usually like already believe before they kind of come to you or is it like 50-50? Mm-hmm. I don't know what to expect or... Yeah, it's really interesting. I get, um, I would say I get more people that are in the 50-50, but it's so interesting because I ask them, I screen everyone basically to make sure that they can handle a session Mm -hmm. because I think if you have, um, for example, if you have very, very high anxiety, a past life regression will not be for you. Because there are some intense situations that you can find yourself in within a past life. And you do not want to be in a situation where you're experiencing that and you're not able to handle it. And then it creates a PTSD or something like that. So I uh, do deep trance before that. Um, I'm also a deep trance hypnotherapist. So I'll do that to get the anxiety down, then go into the past life regression. But anyway, so (laughs) I I talked to these people before and most people are like, oh, yeah, I believe in this. I've read the books like I'm great. Uh, But then we get into the session and they're like, actually, I don't know if this is like going to be in my from my imagination or like if this is really happening. Um, And I I think that that's like a theme that's uh, prevalent throughout. And I have to explain that, like, I think people expect me to say um, no, of course, this isn't in your imagination. Like, this is real. Um, but no, imagination is the most powerful thing that we have as humans. And this is most definitely in your imagination. And in order to utilize it to the fullest, you have to realize that it's coming from your imagination and fully trust that and go with it. You know, that's probably one of the craziest things that that's so wild because there's so much truth with that because you know i started looking into what is it is clairvoyance is clairvoyance when you see things yeah that's what i have so uh, (laughs) yeah so uh, i think i told you this before i'm also a psychic medium um and yeah i use clairvoyancy for that well so what's wild about that um so i'm predominantly clairaudient but then i started realizing that I started reading things and people are like, yeah, if you have dreams or you can imagine or like you can see in pictures, then you're clairvoyant as well. And I'm like, I'm like, what? Like not everybody can do that. And so it's, it's so wild to me that, you know, even things that I just took for granted, it's like, yeah, this is actually like a psychic power. 
And yes. where it got even crazier is um, there was some guy who I did an Akashic record reading for, and he then at the end of it was like, oh yeah, by the way, like I do this thing for free where I teach people how to like get into the astral realm. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, it takes like 30 minutes and then you have access to it all the time. And I'm like, seriously? And he was like, yeah. Cool. And so, <laughs> yeah, which was crazy. And so we did it. And I had that same exact like thing. Like we went through the whole process and I got there and he's like, look at your body. And I'm like, I don't have a body. I was like, this is a whole, like, it's just like an energy stream. And then he's like, yeah. you know, look at the water we talked about. And I was like, I see it, but it's not exactly water. It's just energy. And he's like, yeah, like this is the astral realm. And nice. then I had, I had the same thought you did though, where or your clients do it. Like, am I just imagining this or is it real? Uh-huh. And then, <laughs> and then I think he said something like, right. As I thought that, like, just so you know, like, this is like real, this isn't just your imagination. Like this is like mm-hmm. what your imagination does, or like, this is your transportation uh-huh. into it. And I was like, yep. shit, man, like, like, this is so crazy. Yeah. And, and so now whenever mm-hmm. I've been meditating, I've actually been like going into the astral realm and doing different types of like work and like Good. energy stuff. And it's, it's just so crazy how it's like, it's so close and so usable, but yet we're just told that it's not real or not possible. It's mm-hmm. And it has this negative connotation to it. And I think it, it goes back to the genius that we were talking about. We also have this um, notion that psychic abilities are something rare, something that only a, a small subset of people can have. Um, but what I found is that every person has a psychic ability that um, is more prominent. So like for me, it's clairvoyance that's more prominent. But you can most definitely teach yourself the other abilities uh, and you can practice them. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think, um, yeah, it's I, I try and teach people that um, you have all of this stuff within you. You know, it's just you weren't taught that in schools. (laughs) Well, I mean, and, you know, and I even I brought this up uh, again, the interview before the years. uh, She was like a dream oracle. And uh, we talked about dreams and, you know, the idea that we're like when you're a kid and you have a nightmare, your parents tell you that it's not real. And so Mm -hmm. you grow up thinking like, oh, okay, like I'm going into this place that isn't real. But then it's like, you know, who's not to say that this is just as real as the reality that we're experiencing right now, you know, and Mm -hmm. obviously there's different, you know, things along those lines, but the core concept of it, right, is that this is real and the idea of like being clairaudient even, and that's what drove me insane. This is the, I realized that like a huge part of my overthinking actually came from the fact that I'm clairaudient. (laughs) Oh, interesting. Yeah. I realize that now because like I'll have dialogues with myself now where I can very instantly be like, okay, should I, should I do this? And then a different voice comes in is like, yes. I'm like, okay. And I, and I know it's this voice that's separated from my ego because sometimes it tells me mm-hmm. to do shit and I'm like, I don't want to do that. And it's like, well, you asked what you're for your highest self. So here's what to do. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and I'm realizing now that back, like whenever I was younger, I would get into these like, you know, mental altercations. Like if I do this, then that, then this, then that, but what about this? Or what about that? And it gets, it manifests as people saying, oh, you're just overthinking it. But in reality, I was kind of just having a conversation between my ego and my higher self trying to figure out like the right path to take. Yeah. Um, 
it is interesting how you're talking about when you're younger, you didn't know what it was because that's the same thing for me with clairvoyance. Um, I remember the very first spirit that I saw was my grandma and uh, it was so creepy. It was like, <laughs> I was going um, into my kitchen and like all the lights were turned off. Um, I was just like, it was late at night. I was getting a glass of water and so I was like walking upstairs and before I walked upstairs, there's um, a hallway to my left and I look down the hallway. I see my mom like sitting on the couch and she's drinking coffee, but she looks old and like, she's like, what the? <laughs> and so I'm like calling out for her and I'm walking towards her. Um, and right before I get to her my mom comes down the stairs and she's like what why are you calling me and i'm just like what <laughs> <laughs> i just saw you sitting there um and yeah it's, it's interesting because like no one is equipped to help you uh or i guess no one in my family was equipped to help me and that seems to be prevalent with a lot of people that have that when they're younger, um, these psychic abilities appear. And so for me, I literally thought I was going crazy. So I shut it down. I was just like, I don't want to see these things. Um, and I didn't get it back until like my mid twenties is when it came back mm -hmm. when I was ready for it. Um, but yeah, it, it is unfortunate that a lot of these gifts get shut down because of fear or people don't know how to work with it. Um, I'm actually going to plug in my laptop really quick. It like okay. got unplugged somehow. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I'll plug okay. it in. Yeah. I find it super interesting uh, while you're doing that. I find it super interesting too, because that seems to be also a common theme that I've seen throughout some other people too, like that I've had on the podcast where um, the one girl I'm thinking of is uh, Akashic Danny West, who was also very clairvoyant and you know she had to start setting boundaries and she had this event when she was a little kid mm -hmm. episode 29 if anyone's listening and interested uh where she saw someone like actually kill themselves and was like yo like what the fuck like this is yes. a boundary <laughs> she's like i don't want to see this okay. shit and so she actually yeah. shut it down for the longest time because just like you said she had no one in her life who was like oh yeah like this is clairvoyance like yeah this happens you know mm -hmm. it's it, instead it gets pushed under the rug of like you're crazy not I mean, I guess some people would say you're crazy, but for her, it was just kind of like, this isn't real. I don't know what you're talking about. And then it got shut down for the longest time until an event occurred, I think in her probably mid twenties as well, where it was like, mm -hmm. Hey, like revisit this. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I wonder if that's something that's kind of going into the same line of, you know, like this ADHD and this ADHD and this autism thing, mm -hmm. where it's just like this new wave of appreciation that our, that the millennial generation mm -hmm. is just starting to uncover or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, for me, navigating with the neurodivergence, it is something where I had to incorporate it into my spiritual beliefs um, and say, like, yeah, this is a medical diagnosis, but I also understand that my soul um, is this way for a reason. Um, and I believe that it is like this new wave of thinking, um, this thing that connects us more to our creative abilities to source what we're capable of. Um, and 
yeah, I, I do think that that, that um, plays a role as well. But it's also like intertwining that with the um, modern society and saying like, yeah, I know that this is not um, something that's wrong with me. But in the same instance, I know that there are certain things that I need to have in order to like survive, you know, <laughs> in this world, just like, you know, like uh, we are living in the 3D, we are living in this modern type of society. And um, there are some things that you need to concede to and say like, okay, this is like disabling me in this way. And so I need to do this to counteract it. A hundred percent. And to even expand on that, I believe that there's this element of like, even in that story, right? Or even in our stories, there's a level of like safety and love that we need to garner from the people around us. Um, if we let our ego take over, we need to find it from society even because sometimes we're not able to find it within ourselves until much later. And so to your point, you know, you need to have that baseline of, you know, safety and love almost until you're able to actually like almost blossom into seeing all these gifts and this beauty that you have. So it's almost like planting a seed and, you know, it needs some water and needs some, uh, you know, sunlight yeah. in order for it to actually like be like, okay, I'm safe. I'm strong. Now I can actually blossom and like give my gift to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think um, it is interesting because um, you do need that safety and love to blossom it's definitely a component but i think that you can go through i like to think of a lotus like you can still blossom in the murkiest of environments because i have a lot of people that follow me that aren't coming from loving households um aren't coming from that space where they are being nurtured and so I like to um, really impress the fact that even with in within that murkiness, within that muddy water, um, when things aren't very nurturing, <laughs> you can still uh, rise above and and take what power you have inwardly uh, to still blossom out. Mm. I'm all on board in that too, and. And that's where it gets really interesting, right? Is that you're able to generate any emotion you want from the saddest to the yeah. most empowering all within yourself. Like I mm -hmm. even, I recently was watching a Tony Robbins seminar and he was talking about how to actually like get into your body and like jump up and down, start like, you know, yeah. cheering and everything. And it mm -hmm. actually like gets you into an excited state, like within your body. And you know, he was saying to even jump up and down as if it's like a, a 20 out of 10, like you're that excited. And yeah. what makes it interesting, and he, you know, and he even pointed this out is that the more constant you do it, or the more, the more you do it with repetition is that it, it actually elevates your baseline state that you actually elevate your state above where it used to be. And the utility in that is that now you're able to like, you know, if before you were operating at a five out of 10, you're now at a 10 out of 10, like more consistently mm -hmm. and that 10 out of 10 just becomes your baseline. And then now like the next level opens up. So like, as you continuously do that, like cool shit happens 
And in the last week, since I've watched this seminar, I started doing that. Like anytime I started feeling sluggish or slow while sitting in my chair, I would just, I would get up like right beside me and just start like chanting, like, like cheering, like, and just like visualizing all the events that I wanted to accomplish. And it's crazy Mm -hmm. how quickly it changes your state. You know, you do that for 60 seconds and you sit back down and it feels like you're in a completely different world. Yeah, there's uh, two things I want to say towards that. It's interesting that um, you guys were doing that because that is a form of stimming from autism, like jumping really? up and down because no. you have so much energy. Yeah. Are you about to so diagnose me on this funny. podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It is, it, it, um, <laughs> for me, what it does is it resets my energy uh, to a better place and allows me to get rid of stagnant energy. Okay. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that spiritual spirituality mixes in to autism as well. Um, and we are just spiritual bodies. Like the CIA has released documents that like confirms yes. that we are just energetic beings. And by calibrating our energy, our frequency, our vibration, to these certain states, then we can have things that vibrate similarly, even if that is just another state of emotion, you know, even if that is just moving from sad to happy, it's just a difference in energy. It's so true. Yeah. And that's where it gets interesting too, is if you just start looking at the world and energy, as opposed to like the physical matter that exists, like, I don't know. To me, that's where it gets like really wild. And, and even where do I want to go with this? I don't really know where I want to go with this. (laughs) It's just crazy. Like to think like everything that we're seeing around us is just energy. That's like vibrating at a very high speed. And it's just so compacted that we're seeing it physically, but also knowing that within your eyes, your eyes are not seeing the full spectrum of light that we can see. So yeah. there are also things around us that are there, but we are just not physically seeing them, uh, right. which is like, Oh my God. Well, <laughs> like, yeah. what? I think that was a big thing that broke my mind is like realizing that like, you know, I, the only reason I like humans are humans is because they're vibrating at a different rate than like a rock. Like that's what <laughs> it just comes down to is the rate of vibration. And it's yeah. like, what? Like, I need a second on that one. <laughs> yeah. The universe is just like a mad mathematician. <laughs> like different <laughs> algorithms. And <laughs> that's where it always gets interesting too. And 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 luckily I finally have gotten to a point with like uh like random people messaging me on uh or like leaving comments, like negative comments. But it's always fascinating when people leave negative comments of like where's the proof like what's the proof or like this doesn't make mm-hmm. sense like where are you getting this from like you're, you're using taboo blah 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 and it's like you know the cia has released documents on this stuff you know yes. like first of all just look inward like does it just feel like it makes sense to you and it's it's so wild mm-hmm. whenever you're able to like just peel it back and you're like guys come on like i'm helping you like this is the way yeah <laughs> So I actually sympathize with those people in a strange way in that um, I am someone who is pretty analytical. I am someone who needs proof of things. Um, And that is why I read so much (laughs) as well. I'm um, 
especially with spiritual knowledge, I feel like I can never get enough. I'm always absorbing, even if um, it's something that I don't believe in or something that goes against what I'm currently believing. I'll still read it uh, just because I want the knowledge of that. (laughs) And um, so for me, what I try and do is I try and provide the sources like, oh, no, Dolores Cannon, this research is sound because she conducted it in experimental ways. Um, She made sure that uh, she had, you know, um, she controlled her variables within the experiment to make sure that it was valid. Um, And within the CIA, there's like documents where they're doing their own research. And also with my psychic mediumship, um, I, I would say that that's like the biggest thing that brought me over to spirituality because I could like see it. And, um, whenever I do a reading for someone that's skeptical, I, uh, I just did a reading for my, um, my sister-in-law three weeks ago. And, uh, I was bringing out things that like, she didn't know and she had to call her family and her family confirmed that those things are accurate. And she was just like, Um, what the, (laughs) and it's like seeing is believing to them. And it's like, Oh, I sympathize like me too. And I'm going to show you, uh, so that you can see like what we're capable of. Um, yeah. So I am grateful that I have that because it's also brought me over. For sure. No, and that's that's yeah. a really interesting point too, is whenever you kind of see something before other people, like even are aware of it or have not even told people. Um, there was something else I was thinking about bringing up. I can't remember what it was. I know that there was one kid who I was talking to and he was saying about how, uh, you know, from his like the way he sees, I think he's clairvoyant as well, or clairsentient, uh-huh. clairsentience energy, being able oh, to see energy. Okay. He's yeah. clairsentient. Yeah, he's clairsentient. Yeah, and so yeah. he was saying that he could like feel or see the energy that this lady was like pregnant. And um Whoa. it was somebody, I, I don't know if they were doing a reading or something, but it was like a couple that he knew, but they hadn't told anybody yet. And so he was like, Oh yeah, like I forget what he said, but he's like, You guys are having a kid, right? And they were like, uh, what? Like, no, like not that's not happening. He's like, oh, and he kind of started doubting himself and his abilities. And then like Mm -hmm. it came up later and they were he was like, Oh, he's like, I knew it. He's like, I knew it. (laughs) Yeah. It's funny that you say doubting his abilities, um, because that's a big thing in mediumship where um even for my sister-in-law, um, when I was reading for her originally I was getting a lot of stuff and then like towards the end she was just like I don't know I don't know and then my uh and so towards the end I was just like maybe I'm just getting tired like I'm sorry it made me feel bad I was like I'm sorry I'm like no longer connecting um and then my brother called me later like two days later and was just like yeah she spoke to her family and like all of that stuff was right and it's it's that uh it's just that trust, you know, putting your your trust in to spirit, um, into your connection, really, with spirit and knowing that if they have something to communicate, that it will come through. Um, and if they don't, they don't. It's no one's fault. But that that comes with um, the, uh, I think it comes with time and like 
with time you gain wisdom of being within this like spiritual field of knowing that like you know things have an ebb and flow and sometimes they come and that's cool and sometimes they don't and that's okay too (laughs) yeah no and i think there's there's certainly something to say with practice um and trusting it because i know that there was one occasion i had where i was doing an akashic record reading for somebody and you know they asked a question about like work and being stuck and I'm sitting there like being clear audience. I'm waiting for somebody to speak and nobody's saying anything. And I kind of start to panic. I'm like, uh, uh-huh. guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then it took me a second, but then I realized his question. I was like, okay, so they're not saying anything, but I think it's because I have the answer to this. And it was actually something that I was dealing with in that current week. And so I just basically oh, told him my solution, yeah. told him my solution. And he's like, Oh shit. Like that makes so much sense. Like, thanks. Like that already helps a lot. Like I already know what I'm going to do now. Like da, 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 da. And I'm like, okay, cool. I get it. Uh, like, I was like, yeah, you guys didn't say anything. It's funny. My, um, my shamanic healer, she was telling me that, um, I'll go through things in my personal life and, um, then I'll start to notice after, um, I get clients that like, are going through that same thing and it's like after i've dealt with it and after i know how to get through it and uh, i was talking to her and she's like yep that will happen that happens to me all the time and i'm just like oh it's like kind of annoying but yeah i can like help people (laughs) it's awesome it like reinforces it for you as well yeah definitely well and and that's something that's also gets really interesting is that like once you and and I remember releasing a video that said like this is how you can like read people or like read people's minds. And the core concept is this that in order for you to tell if somebody is like lying or like in shame trying to shame you or trying to do certain things, <laughs> the core concept is that you need to rise above that frequency and you need to associate yourself with a higher level of energy. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if someone's in like an anger or fear state, they're not able to tell if somebody's in the state of love or joy or enlightenment, mm. but somebody who is in a state of love, joy, and enlightenment is able to see down and be like, Oh, like I can tell you're lying about this. I can tell you're lying because you want to hide something, you know, in all mm. these different things. And so, yeah, I, I just, I remember realizing that and being like, Holy shit, like accessing a different higher level of consciousness for myself grants me the wisdom or the aware, not even wisdom, but the awareness of where other people are standing with their energy in regards to a certain situation. Yeah, definitely. I, um, it actually makes me want to ask you a question. By all means. If that's okay. How about? <laughs> do you, what are your thoughts on the spiritual community in regards to ascension versus grounding and um to give more clarity around that question i feel like we always talk about expanding consciousness and reaching the state of ascension but not necessarily grounding back down into the 3d into this physical space where we chose to be um and it just seems like everyone wants to leave it to constantly be in this astral Mm -hmm. space yeah. So yeah. Just interesting your thoughts. So the the first thing that came to mind uh, was the idea of masculine versus feminine energy. So yeah, for the last year of my life, I very much had the mindset of 
okay, everything's going to figure itself out. I don't really need to worry about money. Money's going to fall in whenever it needs to, yada, yada, yada. You know, a lot more in the feminine, it, life is what it is yeah. state. Receiving. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I kind of started to realize like that I actually needed to embody a little bit more of the masculine to kind of do and to get yeah. things done, to like produce, to actually put together a digital course, to kind of do all these different things. And so I think that, Number one, there's a balance there between the physical realm and the higher realm, right? Because it's all interconnected. Mm -hmm. And then yeah. the next level of it is, you know, what you're saying is like, oh, I just want to ascend. I want to ascend. And I guess a part of me thinks that there is a piece of me that is still connected to the higher dimensions or higher beings or whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? You know, we're all a fraction mm -hmm. of source and you know, even in these uh, different books is that they uh, to say that there's like a silver cord that connects your soul yep. to your physical body. So mm -hmm. there is an element of me that is quote unquote ascended. Like there's an element of me that's in the fifth mm -hmm. or sixth dimension or the seventh dimension. So whatever yeah. energy model you want to, you want to propose. And it's funny because at the end of my interviews, I always uh, say like, I'll see you guys in the sixth dimension. Um, and it's because, you know, I believe that we are all simultaneously operating on all these different levels of mm -hmm. energy. Yeah. So back to your question of, you know, this idea of, I guess, grounding or being here, you know, it's, it's like I came to earth for a mission. Like, you know what I mean? Like if we want to gamify this, this is it something I got from Nick Zai where, you know, this idea of like, you know, kind of making, realizing that this is all a game. And so the element of any game is to complete missions. Right. And so it's like, okay, well, what was my mission to come to earth? Right. If I'm this infinite being and I chose to come here, it's yeah. like, what was the mission? Right. And I believe that a part of my mission a, is to learn as much as I can. Right. And there's a whole lot of interpersonal stuff, but I believe that there's also a bigger mission, which I'm trying to pull off with this podcast is to open people's eyes to another way of learning, another way of seeing the world, reducing fear on this physical worldly plane. Right. Mm -hmm. Because it's great that you can understand that we're these infinite beings hurling throughout the universe. And I just want to ascend and all this stuff. But I, I feel like at a level we want to be expanding the physical awareness, the, the awareness of the, the consciousness of the physical plane. So to even take this a little bit deeper, this is something that I actually kind of put together in my last, uh, the last podcast I was talking with someone uh, another reason, uh, <laughs> an ironically selfless, selfish reason that I kind of started this podcast is, you know, I believe that there are certain thresholds of consciousness that we're not able to obtain until a certain event occurs. So number one, I believe that there's a personal level of consciousness that I'm able to obtain, but then I hit a threshold until I break through or, or lift up some gate, or I set some boundary, or I, you know, work on some lesson, or I actually execute on a lesson, and then a new gate opens, and I can now transcend. I believe that there is also a planetary consciousness that occurs, where once our planetary consciousness and mind evolution occurs, we can actually unlock the next stage of evolution, and oh achieve God. more things as a collective. I believe that if you know, and what proves this. I'm I'm curious if you've probably read these books. There's books that talk about how certain inventions are created in different areas of the globe at the same time. So without any communication whatsoever. 
So whether it was like the Mayan civilization or the Egyptians or in China, you know, these, these civilizations that are vastly far apart, yet they all mm -hmm. created hammers at the same time, or they all created pots at the same time. So the reason I bring that up is like, okay, if I'm able to open up people's minds to this new way of thinking, then it elevates their consciousness. And by elevating their consciousness, I have now raised the threshold for planetary consciousness, which inadvertently raises my ability to get to a higher state of consciousness within this physical realm, right? Because yes. I feel like we're trying to unlock different, I feel like we're trying to unlock different, let's say abilities in different realms, right? Like if you're in the astral realm, like your imagination's your thing, right? Like, yeah. so, so I believe that there has to be some sort of pool for us to be able to do that on this physical earthly plane where we're able to manifest more fast, more quickly, or we're able to live in a higher frequency while in dense bodies, which is, you know, in a sense, unheard of, right? Like we're in very dense bodies, but if we're able to then experience the love and joy we experience as spirits on this physical world, I mean, if everybody did that, like, it would be crazy. Like, I don't even change. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah. I, I, uh, I really, really like that answer. I, <laughs> I thought of so many things <laughs> like that. Um, it, it's, it, uh, I feel similarly. Um, and I do think that how you were saying that you go, um, from threshold to threshold with your consciousness. Um, going back to the origin story of Poder um, with his genius, it's like he started from a place of like having it, um, but then it was taken away at his birth. Mm -hmm. um, and so when he was a teenager, it was like he had to go out and find it um so the village told him like hey it's like up this mountain in a cave so he had to trek up this mountain to a cave like all by himself <laughs> as a teenager and then they gave him these tools his gift and then he had to go and learn how to use them and it helped the village out it, he had the gift of rain uh so it like watered the crops and uh to me it's like we as a society are missing that formal initi initiation that we used to have as uh, as more community-based cultures of people moving through an ascension, basically. Um, and it was like these very pivotal points in your life and you knew that you moved through and then you felt yourself ascending up. And then that, I think, in turn trickled out to the community because they knew that people in their community were getting more wisdom to essentially become elders uh, and then pass that wisdom down again. And uh, yeah, nowadays we don't really have that. We don't even really have like elders <laughs> nowadays. Like, we have a few, but uh, uh, nothing like we used to. And um, yeah, similarly with the earth as well, there's, um, I don't know if you heard of the story of chaos, but basically chaos is what birthed creation. Mm -hmm. And so people nowadays are talking about that the wor world is like falling apart. It's falling into chaos. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's like right before what happens before a rebirth. Um, chaos birthed darkness and light. 
and from that came creation. And um, yeah, I, I do think that we are ascending, even though it seems like we are in chaos right now. We, you know, just over that is a rebirth. I'm so on board with that because it reminds me of there's a saying that, uh, oh, uh, strong men create great times. Great times create weak men. Re- weak men create bad times. Bad times create strong men. So then strong men create good times. So then it's just like this never ending cycle that occurs. And the other thing is there's another lens, that story that you had, you said the guy's name was Mm Poder. Is it spelled P O D E R? Which means, yeah. In Spanish and in Portuguese means power. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know that. All right. Cool. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> if you look at it through the lens of like this is how you obtain power. Like that's that's another level of it, right? Is that mm-hmm. you have these initiation processes, you go through the thick of things to, in order to transcend up and yeah. get that goal, and that's really how you harness your own power of life. Hmm. That's pretty. Crazy. Yeah, and I think nowadays it's like younger people feel so lost because maybe they're going through that initiation and they don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. And they're just like, why does my life suck right now? Why am I going through this really difficult point? And it's like, there's no one there, no one there to tell them like, Hey, you're going through this, but after is a rebirth. Your, your whole life is a process of death. You know, it's, um, it's funny when I do tarot reading, people are so afraid of the death card and, uh, I I tell them the death card is my favorite one (laughs) (laughs) because death is transformation. It's rebirth. And throughout your life, you're going through so many deaths, um, but then you're becoming reborn and you're breaking down your old self to create this new self, which includes the old self, but it's also something new um, and it needs to occur. Yeah. I mean, there's so so much truth to that. And, you know, I remember there's a really cool quote. I don't know who said it. I know we wrote it down at one point, so I'll say that I said it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, universal consciousness. Yeah, like, uh, you yeah. did. <laughs> it was a piece of me somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it was like along the lines of like, you know, um, well, I know what it is. It's a moment is just a, no- a death is just another moment in consciousness. And it's crazy because I think the first time I either thought of that or heard it was regard to actually physically dying, right? You, if you're physically dying, it's just another moment in consciousness. Like we have this huge belief system, like, Oh my gosh, when we die, it's over. But it's like, it's just another moment. But then where it actually gets broken down is you can actually look at it as a moment to moment basis. Like even this moment right here, if I can allow my ego, allow my past self to die in order to be present in this moment, in this moment, in this moment, then it enables me to be that ever-changing creature that's going to continuously evolve. And I believe that that's something that's super important to even have like this conversation or to have a long-form interview in general. Yeah. I um, I like to, I don't know if this is going off on a tangent, but um, I, uh, <laughs> I like to think of anxiety um, when I talk about the death um, because it reminds me of fear. And people, anxiety and fear intrinsically linked. And um, people always say that they want to uh, release their fear or get rid of their fear. But to me, 
fear is just an archetype that's internally within us. And uh, if you've ever done something that you're like deathly afraid of, uh, if you've ever had an interview that <laughs> you're really afraid of, um, it feels like you're dying. Like, mm. and there's plenty of people in the ER with like anxiety attacks that feel like they're dying. And it's like, if you could just carry that fear with you and do it anyways, then you will die. You go through the death, but then you reappear, you reemerge, created and you've created something new within you. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that like, it's not about killing these things off. It's about using them for that process right? And do, of uh, initiation. And do you feel like there's a level of, as opposed to even carrying it with you, like allowing that to die, allowing that energy to die off because it could be an energy that you've just attached to and, we all know how good attachment is because it yeah. kept you alive. Being afraid kept you alive in the first place. And it's actually really mm -hmm. funny. Um, <laughs> it reminds me of a story with my mom, which, you know, God bless her. She listens to this podcast. So I know she's listening, um, but <laughs> <laughs> Rosh says hi. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, she, what was it? We redid the front lawn and I helped her out with it. And, you know, there was a lot as the, seeds were growing as the grass was growing there was a lot of like worry and angst because it's our front yard you know there's no grass um you know so she carried a lot of worry and trouble or like over it like every day it was like i wonder if the grass is going to grow i wonder if the grass is going to grow and i'm like yeah it will like just like relax like let it go we'll give it love and um you know afterwards it finally grew beautiful lawn and everything and i said something to the effect of like see like there was no need to worry and she said that she she was like she said something along the lines of like i believe that it was my worrying that got it to grow and so yeah. i think it's really interesting how we attach to these certain like the ways we listen or view the world and then once something actually occurs it like it validates almost you know that fear mm -hmm. anxiety that we took into the situation initially yeah there's a great quote that goes um that sense of tension that you mistook for your sense of self. And uh, I do think that some people, or I think most people, even me, uh, uh, take on those anxieties as their sense of self. But it's like, I also like to reference Carl Jung because um, I think that the anxiety, the fear, it's of course not your full sense of self it's not you um but that darkness that shadow that the fear lives within is a part of you it might be an undeveloped part um but it's still a part that you carry with you and a part that you do need to dive into at certain points in your life um, but that doesn't mean that it has to overtake you um and become your full sense of self mm. I love that because I mean, that even kind of touches on what we were talking about earlier that, you know, you allow it to, it's like recognizing it kind of as like that yeah. chaos story or the uh, story with the two brothers where it's like just recognizing that that exists gives you the empowerment to like move past it almost. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. What was, um, yeah. 
get shift the topic a little bit. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was a what was like a what was a TikTok that you made recently that you were like super proud of or like maybe you maybe you like haven't seen anything like it before and you were like yes like and, and quite frankly I've noticed that when I make these they it might not have performed well <laughs> but uh, th- uh-huh. do you have one that you were like oh shit like this is something like nobody's talking about but we need to talk about uh huh yeah um immediately what comes to my mind is my disassociation series because it did terribly okay (laughs) it's not like one of my most popular um but i think this is something that a lot of people struggle with especially in the spiritual community and a lot of people did resonate with it and like what is it uh how do you get over it and uh it's something that i struggled with a lot and to be able to like help people through that was really important um and i think on tiktok you only have a couple minutes and so you really do have to put something out if you want it to be popular you have to put something out that's going to have this catch right that's going to have a hook um something that's exciting but those things don't necessarily speak to the soul Mm -hmm. um and so what i hope is like I have the ones with the hook, the more exciting ones, the time travel portal uh, ones that hook people in because this stuff is cool, you know? But then I also have the deeper ones like my disassociation videos that speak to the soul and speak to the struggles of people. It's, it's really interesting too. I've been noticing that like the ones, especially myself, the ones that I believe have the most information or I put the most effort into, they end up not doing as well, which I find super fascinating. Same. Yeah. It, it's so, and I've actually seen it with other really well-known content creators or even like famous uh, celebrities or like famous celebrities, famous like entrepreneurs where they're like, Oh yeah, by the way, like you should go check out like my worst performing ones because I feel like those have the most value in them. And it wasn't until I yeah. heard one of them say that where I'm like, that is so bizarre that the ones mm-hmm. with the most information end up doing the worst from like a view perspective or a like perspective. Yeah. I was just talking to uh, my boyfriend about this actually a couple of days ago. Really? I was just like, it's so crazy. Yeah. I was just like once and I'm like, it, they took me a couple seconds to make, I, I'm just like, Oh, I'm just going to throw something up there. Um, make the algorithm happy. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, those are the ones that like take off and it's like, Oh my God. (laughs) And then ones where I'm like actually putting some like deep knowledge, um, deeper research into it. Uh, those are the ones that like, you don't get that many people. That's such a strange phenomenon. Yeah. I I think it's kind of like the, the fast food culture, right? Mm. Like you want something that's easily packaged. That's, uh, easily consumable. Yeah. But things that hold a lot more knowledge aren't that way because they aren't meant to be that way. It's supposed to be something that you can dive into. Um, but TikTok is not the medium for that. (laughs) So what I've done is, uh, like the things that I want to talk about that mean more to me uh, go on my, uh, YouTube channel, Hmm. which isn't as popular, but yeah. Gotta start somewhere. Yeah. And it, it still gets to people and yeah. Well, so then what, 
getting back to <laughs> getting back to the initial reason I asked the question, it was, so what, uh, what is a disassociation or like, what would you say? A disassociation disorder? Yeah. Um, it's just where you feel not a part of your body. So to me, I didn't know what it was. And I would go to doctors and be like, what is this? And they would try and give me like a medical diagnosis for it, which just made me feel crazy. <laughs> like, honestly, <laughs> of course. Um, but really, when you think about it, it's just like the soul realizing it's not contained in this vessel mm. and it can move everywhere. <laughs> and sometimes you feel like your soul is over there and not here. And that's okay. And I never had someone to tell me that before I started looking into spirituality and getting my deep trans hypnotherapist and my shamanic healer. I never had someone to tell me it's okay. It doesn't mean that you're crazy. There's nothing wrong with you. This is something normal that can happen. Um, and yeah, I feel like a lot of people think that they're crazy uh, and they feel like they can't get out of that space when they're in it. And it can feel very scary yeah. if like, you're, you feel like you're floating over there, but you're here. And like I said, I experience it when I'm on Zoom. Uh, and I actually have like post-it notes right now. Yeah, like, you were saying that. <laughs> yeah, because sometimes I feel like my soul is over there. But then I'm looking at myself and I'm just like, oh, God, where am I? And I get kind of like disoriented. Um, but it's okay, like because your soul is everywhere. Like it can bounce that way. Um, and even though from like a human perspective, sometimes it scares me. And so I do put post-it notes up to like <laughs> prevent that. Uh, it's okay to be scared too. Like it's okay to have that emotion. And I think more people just need to know that like the things that they're experiencing are okay. It doesn't mean that they are crazy or abnormal or wrong or bad or not healed or whatever it is, you know, it's okay. Yeah. It's almost a part of the journey. So, so then what, yeah. so then what, hmm, so then what do, let me rephrase that. What does the literature or like the book say about this dissociation order from like a, mm -hmm. a spiritual context, just that like the soul bounces around? Yeah. So I actually haven't found that much on, uh, in books about it. <laughs> so okay. that's why it was so important for me to talk on, mm. um, I learned what I learned through my shamanic healer, through my deep trance hypnotherapist, and also going through it myself. Um, and yeah, just like figuring out how I navigate it, um, figuring out my triggers for it, because I do think it gets worse when you have anxiety. So it's like figuring out like why it gets worse. I think for me, I'm really interested in like the why. So it's like, well, if it is just my soul like bouncing, why is it worse when I feel this heightened stress? Is it because like the anxiety is just producing more fear in me? So it's like making that worse. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting when you uh, get into it. But, but basically from what I found is... Um, it is just the soul knowing that it's just part of a vessel. It's not contained to this body. You do have that spiritual cord, but even from that spiritual cord, astral projection, you can project yourself energetically to other places. Um, 
And that's completely normal. And if it's going to happen when you're in an anxious state, then that might make you feel more anxious <laughs> because it's like, oh my God, I'm not in my body right now. Uh, when in with anxiety, you need to be in your body to feel more grounded. You don't need to be in that state that is projecting yourself. You need to be in that state that's more grounded. So it's probably a calling back of like, oh my God, I need to like recenter myself. Right. Your soul knowing that that needs to happen. So does it feel like you're you're just kind of floating outside of it? Like, does it feel like you're kind of <laughs> like away from you? Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. That's something that I've <laughs> kind of tried to do intentionally with, uh, what is it? Like with that astral, the astral uh, realm stuff that I was telling you about at the beginning of this, where mm -hmm. like I would try to actually, like once I would project myself into the realm, you know, I would kind of open up a portal back in so I could see myself while meditating. And by yeah. seeing myself, I would then be able to like, uh, what was it? Kind of like clear energy from my body. Like if something was sore, you know, I could use like my astral to kind of like pick it up, to move it around um, or stuff like that to actually back, like rework back into my body. I, I'm not sure yeah. if that makes sense or not. No, it totally makes sense. And yeah, I think that disassociation is a great tool to use. Um, and it's something, like I said, we use it in astral projection. You, you can use it in energy work as well. But I think that people freak out about it when it happens um, randomly, spontaneously, mm. when they're not expecting it. And that it's like that calming down of like, no, it's okay. This is normal. Well, I mean, it's like, all right. and even more so, right? If you look at it from the perspective of like the medical industry now, it's like someone comes to you and it's like, Hey, I feel like I'm floating out of my body. You know, their first response would be, Oh, I've got a pill that can fix that. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I dealt with severe, severe anxiety, um, for about two years. I like, I couldn't even leave my house. I had agoraphobia. I was having panic attacks. Like, sorry, what phobia? I don't know. Like agoraphobia agoraphobia the fear of leaving your house oh. like i would go to target and literally i would sit in the target parking lot like ramping myself up and my, the target was like two minutes from my house and i would sit in the parking lot like ramping myself up like you can do this you can go into the store uh but i couldn't for two years i was like that and like uh multiple panic attacks a day and i was in and out of doctor's offices uh trying to get some help for it because it was like I could not live that way. Uh, like I was literally just confined to my bed. And even in my bed, I was having panic attacks. Um, and they just wanted to give me Xanax, Klonopin. And I had friends who had taken that and uh, they were worse off than when they started. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to be like that. Um, so even though it's hurting me so bad, I don't want to do that. And, um, yeah, I came to a point where, like, I did not want to be on this earth anymore. And um, I probably would not have been <laughs> if it wasn't for my deep trans hypnotherapist. Mm. I, um, I found her. And after our very first session, I went into that deep trance, never had another panic attack again. And then we just started doing the work, the deep, unconscious, subconscious work. 
And every session, it just got better and better and better. And yes, I still have anxieties. I still have fear. Like before hopping on here, I was like a little shaky. But I know now that like it's okay. It doesn't have to go into that full-blown like panic spiral. That's so Um, so wild. Yeah, but it's like they want to push this like McDonald's fast food fast you know pill at you this will take care of everything and it's like no this will this will cover it up this will cover it up (laughs) yeah 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 basically you don't have to worry about it you don't have to do the work you don't have to look at it don't worry about it (laughs) yeah it's um i'm I'm sure you're familiar with louise hay uh i'm not kill yourself Um, she talks about disease within the body being actually dis-ease within the body. And mm. so if you can heal that dis-ease within the body, you can heal certain diseases. Um, and basically it's like going into the subconscious and realizing that you have your body itself. Um, it can hold on to energy. It holds on to stuck stagnant energy and if you don't allow that to flow out of the body somehow it's going to stay in there and it's just going to build up build up build up and then eventually it's going to explode out of you Mm. in a panic attack or whatever it is uh and also dr john sarno talks about this i don't know if you're familiar with him but he um he wrote the book i believe it's called the mind body prescription um But basically what he talks about is um, he had an office where he only dealt with people with back pain issues. And these people could not be healed by like any other doctor. So they came to him and instead of working on their back pain by doing surgeries or giving them medication or whatever it was, he did trauma work. And through the trauma work, People who could not be healed of their back pain were coming out like completely healed. So crazy. And he was prolific. Um, And it was like trauma is held within the body and we just try and stuff it down or use these pills to, like you said, hide the symptoms, but they're going to come out in an explosive way some way. So like, yeah, it might be working for now, but if you never deal with the underlying traumas, they're always there. Right. It never went away. You never really learned the lesson. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that's difficult. I know. Um, <clears throat> I mean, it's a, it's a real epidemic in our uh, society, the, you know, the masking of the pain that really everyone goes through and we've created this, like, well, I guess not we per se, but there's definitely been this uh, societal, you know, reaction to actually like medicate it which isn't even Mm -hmm. curing it right it's just a treat not to cure kind of mentality and you know i've i've read a book uh read the book the body keeps the score by dr yes van brunsel is that right burden van brunsel uh uh, vessel vessel um it's been a while von von bessel von von bessel Bessel. yeah Uh, yeah it's been a while i knew there was like yeah same (laughs) (laughs) yeah um yeah, great book. Yeah, it's it's really quite amazing how it's like this whole construct of our life gets, you know, repeated over and over again until we learn the lesson. You know, and mm-hmm. you could say that for a great myriad of things. Like even starting this podcast, like there are things that I have learned like from scheduling people to, 
you know, setting boundaries where like it just starts popping up. And until I actually like take action on implementing the boundaries I need to learn, I mean, and this is obviously just with a podcast, but it happens with yourself. It happens with your relationships. And it's just really crazy how like these things keep happening over and over. But then once you choose a different pattern, once you choose a different path, of course, there's a little bit to actually like you have to stick with it a little bit. Like it, it might happen a couple times. But once you repeatedly choose the different process, it's like it's crazy how your world just changes from that decision. Yeah. Some. Um- it kind of goes against what we as a culture have been like conditioned to do though. So it is like very difficult. Yeah. I mean, going against conditioning is a, it's a hard thing. I mean, especially if you don't see your own blind spot and that was a huge thing. Like that kind of happened to me before my awakening is like, you know, I, so I was in San Diego and I think there were six girls No, it could not have been six, but at least four, at least four girls who like super good friends with, um, who all came up to me within like a, a couple week period. And they were like, they're like, Hey, like, like they're comfortable telling me this. Cause we're like best friends now. But beforehand they yeah. were like, you know, when we first met, like I hated you. And I was like, what? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. <laughs> like, right. I was a different person then. So by the way, <laughs> uh, okay. Not me now, <laughs> but uh, I was like, I didn't know what to do with this, but I found it so fascinating that four separate girls said this or reiterated this who were now like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm going to tell you now because we're like best friends. But at the time, it was very much like I didn't like you. And I'm like, I, I don't know. To me, it just was so weird. And the reason I'm bringing that yeah. up is like, you don't know your own blind spots. Like, we don't know where our own blind spots mm-hmm. are in our life, let alone a societal life, if no one's talking about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it is. I, I think that's why community is so important. But we've we've kind of gotten away from community based systems mm-hmm. um and it's it's unfortunate but with the internet you can it, it's unfortunate but then i see like the silver lining with the internet right because then you can like branch out to all of these different people and form your communities there um, oh for sure but it's like allowing yourself to truly be that intimate and vulnerable uh, with someone to both tell them their blind spots, but then also receive it when they tell you. And um, I think that's, that's really rare. I mean, I'm all on board with that. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's and now that I'm thinking about that's probably another, another reason I started this podcast was to actually get, associated with like like-minded people in this industry or in this i guess not even an industry it's a community it's a it's a thought process it's a way of thinking where you know i mean look you're in chicago like i've talked to people in toronto uh-huh. I've talked to people in london i've talked to people in you know la socal florida texas like it's all over the world that this exists but it's not like there's not really like a centralized place for it and it's it's almost like these conversations aren't, I mean, this isn't something you talk about every, every day with like the average person either. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, um, 
that's funny <laughs> because I try to, but then like <laughs> you get like the stairs, like the blank stairs back. <laughs> and it's like, oh God, <laughs> I like, I like went too far. <laughs> I've gotten that. Yeah, but, <laughs> it's hilarious too. Cause I've gotten that in interviews too, where I'll say something about aliens usually. And they'd like take like a little step back and I'm like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that it's was like, too far. Oh, God, okay. <laughs> Reel that back. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, let me take that back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it is nice because uh, it is hard to find people who are like within this space, I think, which I don't know why it's so hard, though. Um, I, I don't. Because I would like to think that like the world is raising or like ascending its consciousness and more people are becoming open um but then it's like when i look around my immediate surroundings uh i don't see other people that uh that have the same thoughts and maybe they do they're just not like telling me that um yeah you know it's possible and i think an element you know, here's the thing is actually probably from having a podcast, this is where it gets interesting is I've actually started being able to discern the people who are able to kind of have these conversations almost like, you know, I'm sure there's people listening now who the reason that they're listening is because we met in person and just the nature of the conversation, the way they talked about the world, I could see that they were on that path of okay, like they're down with spirituality or at least they're open-minded to hearing about it. And the conversation probably went along the lines of like, Hey, I've got a podcast like that you should check out. And it's so cool because like, I think it exists, but maybe I think there's a couple things here, right? Number one, we're not used to actually seeking it out in society. Number two, we may have this projection of society being being like against it, that this is something that's taboo, that maybe we need to actually destigmatize that in the first place. And then the next level yeah. of it is, is that maybe there are people, I believe that there are people who don't like fully know where to go with it. Like, it seems like there are people who are open to this way of thinking, who have thought these thoughts, but they've never fully articulated it because maybe they just yeah. don't want to sound crazy. Mm hmm. Yeah, and it is hard to art articulate some of these things. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally understand. Um, and yeah, I do think a lot of the things that at least I talk about are like, yeah, I, I think within the spiritual community as a whole, like a lot of the things that we talk about are taboo. Um, me in particular, um, I talk a lot about death. Uh, that is a huge um thing that I always weave into my videos and a lot of my uh followers or subscribers um they're people with a fear of death because mm. I talk about it and uh that's not something you can talk about in everyday conversation without it being like what is this lady on about <laughs> like <laughs> what is she talking about <laughs> so really morbid I don't want to talk about that um but yeah to me uh I think that those things are important, but yeah, it's hard to know when to bring those things up, um, especially socially. Like I said, I, I don't get a lot of social cues. I have to, um, I'm very much in my head 
when I interact socially and uh, people always say, um, I, I remember my boyfriend when I first met him, he was like, oh my God, you're so good with people. Like you are so good meeting people and like, how do you do it? It's like a lot of research. Like <laughs> I am so, it's true. <laughs> I'm like so in my head when I meet people because I'm just like, oh God, like, you know, these like social things that I feel like come naturally to other people don't come naturally to me. And uh, I know that that is a social construct thing. And yes, I can ascend above it. I don't have to feed into it. But if you do that, you aren't, I think that you also have to understand that there is a social contract construct there. And that in order to live in this physical world, you do have to feed into it a bit um, to be able to relate to other people. Mm. And uh, yeah, I've I've taught myself how to relate to other people in that way while still keeping myself <laughs> like my true self there. And it's like this, uh, yeah, this like back and forth thing. No, it's really interesting because I know I've had to do I've you know going back to whenever those girls were like, yeah, I used to hate you. It's like it's like all right, what am I doing wrong here? <laughs> like I, yeah, you know, especially if it's not even in my intention for people to hate me. Like I don't. I don't think that's mm -hmm. anyone's ever intention, but if that's what the world's perceiving, like, okay, I'm doing something wrong. And so even to your own point, like I did research on my own, but it's cool too, because I feel like I got to a point where I kind of just uncovered who I am and I'm just more naturally mm -hmm. me, which enables me mm -hmm. to be more personable and to like get to know people and like, honestly, truly be interested in other people. Like from a spiritual mm -hmm. context, how we talked about earlier, like the fact that you're just another version of me and I'm just another version of you. Like that just fascinates the shit out of me of like, okay, how does this person see reality? Because it's completely valid because this is just another instance or a version of me that's viewing the same landscape, but through their own mm -hmm. eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I think like, um, I saw this really interesting TikTok that was like, um, this guy, he has autism and he was saying that like, when he does like small talk in the office, it's like, he can't do it. It's like, mm. but then someone that has the same interest as him or like someone that like has the same views, it's like, you can go on and on and on. Uh, <laughs> and, like, <laughs> so yeah. So that's what I, that's how I feel. Um, if I meet someone who has like spiritual interests, cause then it's like, Oh yeah. Like I know where this is going. Mm. I like, um, I'm interested in like what you have to say. I'm interested in learning more from you. Um, but in like a small talk sense, I do feel like it's more of a dance, a social dance that you have to do in that social dance. I um, have to try a little harder to remember the steps, which is not always enjoyable to me, but then moving, transcending beyond that like small talk, then I can bring in my personality and like who I truly am. Um, but yeah, I think it's just that like getting past that. Chalk it up for another thing that we have in common with regards to <laughs> yeah. possibly being autistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh, we have to get- Just not a bad thing. Not, it's yeah, like yeah, yeah, no. the new wave. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point right i'm being a little bit yeah i'm probably casting a little bit of negative judgment right because that's what we've been taught to believe 
I just think it's funny. I've, yeah. I'm kind of just making a joke out of it because I've kind of always yeah, joked yeah. about it in the first place. And quite frankly, most of the very successful people in this world are slight on the spectrum. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think I probably also joked about it because I'm like, well, I want to be successful. So I might as well start joking yeah. about actually being <laughs> so, autistic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, um, it is interesting learning more about it and like through that learning about myself and like realizing though that like autism is just a label that society has put on it to like categorize what this form of thinking is. Mm. But like you said, it, it's, it is a, or like, I believe it is something that comes with the new wave. It is something that my soul wanted to come into existence with, you know, this different type of thinking. Um, and yeah, it's just like autism is a label to make it easier for humans to understand or to categorize just for like sure. time doesn't exist, but it's just like a label or we need to see time linearly so that our heads don't explode <laughs> and we, we can make sense of this life. Well, and we're able to interact, right? Because like without time, we would have yeah. never been able to film this, record this, right? True, true. Yeah. So <laughs> it has its utility. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Um, but I also love, I didn't even know that you worked uh, death in the majority of your stuff. And I'm not sure yeah. how, uh, how ver- vernacular, verbose, what's the word here? I'm not sure how, oh, I'm missing the word. I'm not sure how aware you are of uh, like the Egyptian gods. But whenever I went to Egypt, the god that stuck out to me the most was Anubis, um, who's over my left shoulder right now. And he's actually the god of death and like mummification. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was like, yeah, I, um, I've been trying to talk about a little bit of different topics in my videos recently, just Mm. because like, I don't like to be pigeonholed. Um, I like to cover a whole like a variety of spiritual topics and like death is just something that people really latched on to and something that I think is important. Um, but now I'm just like, Oh, but I also do other things, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but death is really important as well. Um, and yeah, there's, um, there's actually a really great, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, with Zen Buddhism, but Zen Buddhists work in death so much so that they actually have a death meditation. Um, And so they meditate on their death um, regularly. And this is something that I've tried to incorporate into my life where I just meditate on that death. Because if you free yourself from the fear of death or the fear of death in transformation, then you can go through life in a much more flow state. Mm. And uh, yeah. yeah, I believe a lot of Dolores Cannon's work and Michael Newton's work has really like freed me from mm-hmm. that fear of death. I'm yeah. just like, Oh, okay. Like yep. that makes sense. Like I'm cool with it now. Uh-huh. And yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's always something to measure your energy when exploring these new ideas, because like whatever feels more in alignment, almost mm-hmm. like feels more right, like will help you live in a more, free and aligned way in a sense yeah it's um there's a self-reliance ralph um uh emerson okay have you read it i'll have to check that out um (laughs) it's not like 
it's a really boring read, <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. But it's one of my favorites. It's like one of those things that you read in high school because you have to. Um, but if you can get through it, I, I would really recommend it. Okay. Um, because he says that um, humans, we're always searching outside of ourselves for the answers. And like I am definitely a product of that with like my search of knowledge and loving to read so much. Like I am always searching for like the this uh this uh greater state of knowledge. And uh he says that if we just quiet ourselves and go within, we have this space in the center of us, this space of creation, the space of knowing and from that, if we create what is in that space within our knowing and we give that to the world, then that is what the world needs. Mm -hmm. We don't need to go outside of ourselves and like see um, what this great person is talking, what this genius is talking about or like uh, follow what they're talking about. It's like you also have that within you. They're talking about it because you have it within you. Um, and just to know that you are also connected to that genius that you see in other people, you have it within yourself as well. And so it doesn't mean not to appreciate other people's art or not to read their stuff or not to enjoy it, but just to know that like, you don't have to feel like, oh, I, um, I'm not as much of an expert as that person or like, I am not as much of a genius as like tesla or einstein it's like no you are you have them in you you have that same thing well that's what's yeah i i feel like i went off on a deep tangent ah, that there you go. So sorry no, that's what we do on this podcast you're you're right on par okay. with that. Yeah. everyone everyone in the audience is clapping right now <laughs> that's what we do on here um uh where were we with that though self-reliance you're talking about uh self-reliance Oh yeah. That was an interesting thing uh, that, and I think that's really difficult for some people to realize is that idea of, you know, if any, whatever other people have, like that's an element of you as well. And mm -hmm. uh, there was an episode I did with episode 31 with uh, simplifying uh, Sam, Sam Chung. She, I'm not sure if you know who that is. She's on TikTok as well. No. Uh, she's like a manifestation coach and oh cool yeah super cool chick and she we talked about kanye west and i made a clip of it and posted it on like instagram and stuff and you know the the core context that we get into is like she's like yeah like whenever kanye was running around like i am god she's like i knew what he meant like this idea that mm -hmm. we are the creators of our universe and it even like kind of yeah. followed up with like you know if you love something in somebody else you love that about yourself like that's something that mm -hmm. is like a mutual beneficiality. Well, mm -hmm. I posted that on Instagram. I posted it everywhere. Instagram was where it seemed to get the most backlash of people just being like, oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Like these people are crazy. Like I like Kanye, but this Ooh. is insane. Um, you know, I, I didn't, I kind of stopped reading the comments at a certain point. You get to a certain point, mm -hmm. you're like, all right, I got to step away from this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really fascinating how it's like i don't know i don't know where i was going with that but it reminded me of like this idea of like that that interconnectivity of like that exists but for some reason people will still mm -hmm. 
fight that it's it's kind of reminded me of the matrix how like if you expose mm -hmm. the matrix to itself it'll like push back it's almost like you have to break it in slowly without going too hard yeah um i uh i have a video where i break down the universal consciousness and how everyone is connected to source and um I like draw out this diagram and um, it also explains how energy work works because you tap into this source. Um, but yeah, on Instagram as well, there's a lot of comments that are just like, um, it's like blasphemous basically, like to call yourself God to say that you are uh, part of the source. You aren't, you are not from source you are source um and yeah i i do think that that's like gaining traction now i heard in um it's funny that you mentioned kanye i was thinking of another song by um i can't think of his name now he's he's the rap artist that just did a song with little little nas um mm. i haven't listened to rap in a little while what is Okay. Kendrick. Um, but it's no, no, no. Uh, it's his name. You can do a quick Google search. Know. But anyway, Little Nas. <laughs> okay. Little Nas new song. Yeah. Um. Let's see. He says, "I am like." He just did a fabulous. Is that the song or the artist? Did yeah. It's the song. The song's called Fabulous. Uh-huh. Fabulous. Let's see. I don't see any songs called Fabulous. Crap. It does it off of um Young Boy? No, it's uh from Fergie Ah, Jack Harlow. Okay. And I don't know who he that does is. like a remix of uh Fergie's Fabulous. Oh, okay. If you've ever heard of that, I have but heard basically that. <laughs> in the song, <laughs> he, um, he says like, <laughs> he repeats like, I am uh, like in the middle of the song and like, there's someone talking to him. And for every question that they ask him, he says, I am, I am, I am. And uh, I was telling my friend, I was like, oh, I think that he's alluding to like this uh, manifestation because in the, in the song he's talking about how like um, he's finally achieved everything that he's wanted to achieve. And like he bought his mom a house and all of this stuff. And like, even though he doesn't have time to spend with his family, he feels like he can't stop because he's like giving them all their dreams, everything they ever wanted. Um, but yeah, in the middle of the song, he's like, I am, I am, I am. And I was like, Oh, that's like a little hint at people like um yeah so I, I do feel like there's little hints here and there but artists can't fully come out and say anything about it or like people with influence can't fully come out and say anything about it because then they'll be treated like kanye and it's like that guy's crazy <laughs> which <laughs> i don't think he's crazy yeah. but like that's yeah <laughs> yeah well, but that's a i mean that's such an interesting point too because this is something that I've started trying to view. Like I I've started breaking down like other people's content. Cause I'm really curious about how things go viral, like how people grow the certain accounts. And like, it seems like people say things in a very basic way that resonate with a lot of mm -hmm. people. 
And if you're going to break yes. down complex ideas, you have to almost leave out information that is key. Yeah. But mm -hmm. it, I don't know how to really fully articulate it, but it's, it's almost I like you have to take a step saying. back. Yeah. You almost have to take a step back and not speak of it in such a grandiose fashion. You almost have to yeah. dull it down in a sense. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a yeah, really fascinating I literally thing. said this uh, yeah. to my, um, when I was talking about why certain content doesn't get views the other day. And I was just like, yeah, you have to like basically make, um, hmm, this is a bad choice of word, but um, make it more layman i want to say dumb it down but like not saying that the audience is dumb but like just make it more layman more understandable and um if you read a lot of young's um later work it's like so hard to understand and like, I, I think a lot of his early work too he only had a small period of time where it was like understandable yeah. <laughs> because he had this stance where like he did not want to dumb it down uh he wanted what to say what he had to say um and he needed to say it in these these terms which for us it was like harder to understand but that's the only way to get the full scope of it mm. um and yeah it, in my content i i have a lot of people that will say like oh, why didn't you answer this question? Or like, you left out a big part of this. Like, uh, why do you leave this out? And it's like, I have to, or else like, it's not going to get the views and I'm not going to be fulfilling my purpose of creating this content, which is like educating the most people that I can. And so it's like a, a double-edged sword because you want to give them the full information, but it's like, I can't for some reason. Um, and in order to do that, I have to navigate to a different medium like a YouTube um, to fully give that to you. You know, that's that's a really good point that, you know, the more long form stuff would need to be on YouTube versus, mm -hmm. right? Because it's it's almost like, you know, and I've always kind of said this where it's like, if you're, you could know the answers to all the universe, but if you can't say it in a way that people understand, then it's useless, right? Like if yeah. if you don't know how to speak, but you know all the answers, it's like it's useless. So it becomes <laughs> this very interesting dance in a sense of how to articulate these deep ideas with very common knowledge or very common words. Mm -hmm. And and quite frankly, I think that's why stories do so well is because if you can tell a good story, mm -hmm. then it resonates in a different way. So it's... It's fascinating, and quite frankly, we're going down this hole. I feel like there that this podcast, a part of its Achilles seal, might be the fact that it's not dumbed down. But see, at the same mm -hmm. time, I say that right. At the same time, I say that, but then I see there's people like who have wildly successful podcasts, and the first two that come to mind are Jordan Peterson, Doctor Jordan Peterson, and Lex Friedman, who might actually also be a doctor. But they speak at a very high level, and they both have very large followings. So. Mm -hmm. I don't know. The The answer comes back is that they are able to articulate very complex ideas in an efficient way. So yes, kudos mm -hmm. to them, but they're still not, they're not really leaving things out. I mean, it's a hard, they answer, they're answering very difficult questions, yeah. but they're still able to pull it off. So 
I mean, I guess I don't know. And maybe, and maybe that's just a part of this is figuring out the ways to say these things the right way that actually resonates with people. Mm -hmm. And then once you find that way, just keep saying it. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think once you also find, hmm, I think there's a difference between audience and community. I think on Mm -hmm. TikTok, I have an audience and for an audience, they aren't going to be there necessarily because they are interested in what you have to say. They are interested in the content. Um, Whereas on YouTube, I think I have a community that is more interested in what I actually have to say. Mm. So it doesn't matter if the content is more complex, they'll stick with it because they know at the end, like they're going to know what I'm talking about or I'm going to answer a question if they have it in the comment section. Um, yeah, I think I think that's where the big difference for me comes from. And it's just like growing that community to a bigger level where you can connect to more people, but then also be able to talk um, more in depth about these things um, instead of feeling like you have to push out this like uh, hook-based content. <laughs> right. No, that's definitely a, yeah. a really good point, right? Is that, you know, because if I have, I don't know what the new numbers up well over a hundred, probably over 180,000 followers on TikTok. It's like, like you said, yeah. that's an audience, right? But then you get to the mm-hmm. podcast and I, I mean, they range wildly, but you know, I, I think the most downloads I have on a episode is like 460, I think, or something. It's like just wow. shy of 500. Right? So you look at that's the, crazy. you look at that vast difference, right? And I think there's also an element of like my podcasts are like a lot longer length. So it's, it's a very specific Mm -hmm. person that I'm trying to target with my podcast, which, you know, is a benefit. But to your point, it's like the people listening to this are more tighter into that community of, okay, I'm down to listen to these wild, like long form kind of conversations uh, versus like TikTok, Instagram. That's just like raising the flag Mm -hmm. of like, Hey, come check this out. Yes. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's that. Uh, I like to think of it as, like I said, the fast food. Like it's like mm. something quick, easy, consumable, um, tastes good. You know, oh, yeah. like, <laughs> they're like, yeah. So they're in it for that, like that instant dopamine of like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Like I can save that, share it to a friend. Like cool. But then the people that come for the longer form content really want to understand it and integrate it, and that takes deeper work. Um, yeah, that's actually a really a fascinating medium. idea. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, because I've been saying for the longest time, like if I could do without TikTok or without like creating these like short form reels, like I just want to dive mm-hmm. all in on the podcast. And but I feel like I yes. see that as a way to get there. But it's interesting what uh-huh. you're saying. Same. Well, maybe I need to invest more into actually creating like 15, 20 minute YouTube videos to teach people things. Like maybe that's honestly, yeah. that might be where fuck. Thanks. Thanks, Rosh. This might be, this might be solid. <laughs> yeah. no, I mean, well, I feel like we're paralleled in that way because <laughs> I, I'm honestly the same where like TikTok is not my favorite place to be. <laughs> it's so poisonous too. Like, the comments you know, are so fucking poisonous. Yeah, like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and 
Jeez. And people don't understand that, like, I only have a couple minutes, you know, and they'll comment on something and say, like, what about this? What about, like, I'm sorry. I like, I can't explain everything right. <laughs> in a couple minutes. Um, and yeah, like, if I did not have to do, and I don't know, like, about you, but to me or for me, it takes a long time to create TikTok content. Even though they're quick videos, I am still like writing, refining, editing, like for a while, these videos. Um, and yeah, if I did not have to do that and I could just do YouTube and have my like bulk of my community on there and really dive into these deep con, um, this deep content and really explain to people um these various spiritual topics then i would definitely do that instead i uh yeah i also feel like on my youtube people get a sense more of who i am i think on tiktok you become uh. mm, more of a caricature of who you are and it's much easier for people to assign labels to you Interesting. whereas on my youtube I think they get a fuller picture of like what I'm about, what I um what I actually think. I, I think on 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 TikTok, I get a lot of like people telling me like, "Well, I don't believe this. Why are you like um making people believe this?" And I'm just like, "I'm not." <laughs> I'm, like <laughs> I I think that you should believe whatever you want to believe. Like please don't just blindly believe what I'm saying. I that would be the worst thing to me. I'm hoping that by giving you this seed of knowledge you can go out and expand it, you know, grow it yourself. Right. Um and on TikTok, I think that people think that just because you have, you know, just a little bit. And so you're like telling people this thing and, and that's it. That's a good point. But too. on YouTube, it's much more of like a flowing conversation of like, oh, yeah, there's this other point of view as well. And, you know. Mm. No, I can definitely, definitely relate to that. And it does seem like there are a lot of. <laughs> and that's funny, too, because that's something I just saw yesterday was that it seems like in the TikToks where people are like, this is the way it is like a little bit more direct is that they actually do better. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like, Oh, okay. Cause it mm -hmm. resonates at yeah. a certain point as opposed to a mm -hmm. lot of my videos actually more so recently are more like, you know, this is the way I see the world, take it or leave it. Whereas that tends mm -hmm. to like lose some of its like punch to it, yeah. which yeah. can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, but I think, I think you're onto something here with the idea of like, you know, TikTok being, um, something to move away from at least in that sense of mm -hmm. like because it's just it's not i don't know i don't know it just doesn't it's uh it's very grind heavy <laughs> like you know i'm not about the grind at all right and like something about being on it is very like overstimulating and very much so like this um hustle energy right that's a good point it's also yeah. interesting. I don't know if you've done this before, but like when you repost uh, certain videos on, um, like if you kind of clip, uh, and I'm sorry, guys, we'll get back to <laughs> spirituality stuff for a second here. <laughs> Just a small detour. Um, I'm not sure if you <laughs> small detour in the creator space. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure if you noticed, but like if you make a video and then post it on like YouTube Shorts, Instagram Reels, and on TikTok, oh. they all perform vastly uh -huh. different, which I find so fascinating as yes. well. Yes. 
Um, none of my videos that have gone viral on TikTok have gotten a fraction of the views on uh, shorts or Instagram reel. It's crazy. Like I've posted my most popular video. I think it, my most popular was like uh, six or seven million. Oh, yeah. um, posted it on both Instagram and YouTube shorts. Got like 200 views on on YouTube and then Instagram. I don't know. Probably like a thousand. Instagram does a little bit better than YouTube. So wild. <laughs> All right, so let's let's yeah. get back to the um, <laughs> let's get back to the spirituality stuff. If anyone if anyone <laughs> braved the storm, I'm I'm all about it. So thank you. <laughs> um, but you uh you were talking about uh trance. I believe it was like trance therapy helping you with anxiety. So I, I guess I'm not really familiar with what trance therapy is. So like what how how did that help you? Like what is trance therapy and like how did that help you with your anxiety? Yeah, so um, it's uh, deep trance hypnotherapy, and uh, basically what it is is um, you lay down, you get into this very deep state of relaxation, and so you're guided to the state of deep relaxation through both binary beats and also the hypnotist's voice guides you there. And then you can access a space in the subconscious, uh, a space that not many people know how to access <laughs> naturally. And so um, I also am a deep trans-hypnotherapist. So I find that within my clients, what they say is um, when they get into this space, it feels like they're in a void of nothingness, just floating, and they feel in, at complete peace mm. and that's literally what i felt like the first time and i had been going on two years of just non-stop panic attack and then to feel that state of just like release and like all is okay in the world um just within my mind was crazy to me and so when i was in this stage uh the hypnotherapist she spoke to my subconscious and basically said a lot of things of how I'm safe now. Um, I can leave the past behind. Um, you know, I no longer have to hold on to these things that are creating this fear state. Um, and yeah, just like kept going back session after session and like reprogramming my subconscious to, uh, know these things. And, um, you know, the subconscious is so powerful. It's like we perceive the world with only, I think it's um, 5% of our conscious mind and our subconscious is 95%. And I like to, when I talk to clients about it, I like to um, do the visual of an iceberg. So like mm. with the iceberg, your conscious mind is the t tip of the iceberg. It's like what you can see. And then your subconscious is everything below the surface. And if you can tap into that subconscious mind and put into it what you want to see in the world, um, how you want yourself to be, that cannot be overridden by the fearful conscious mind. Um, and yeah, I just found the power in that work. So through a couple of sessions with my hypnotherapist, um, anxiety got so much better. And then I started diving into the spirituality and um, 
I decided about, I think it's like, it's like at the start of the pandemic. So maybe like two years now or two and a half years. Um, I decided to get my deep trans hypnotherapy certification and basically only focus on helping others with severe anxiety. So I helped people who um, were in inpatient, like hospitals with anxiety. Um, and it's it's crazy the amount of progress um, that I saw that like they weren't able to have with like medication or medical professionals. And it's literally just tapping into your subconscious mind, something that's within you all along. And I think through this process, you also gain um, so much confidence within yourself and like knowing that you are a powerful being. And that also helps you because like I said, um, there's a book by John Kabat-Zinn called um, uh, the uh, Life of Catastrophe or uh, Life's Full Catastrophe. And it basically says um, that life is always a catastrophe. There's always chaos. There's always things that are going to be around us. There's always going to be that darkness. But you have to know how to find your center within that. And I think with deep transhypnosis, I was able to find my power um, to get through whatever was going on in my life. And yeah. I love it. I love it. That's pretty cool. And so then you were also saying that you usually will like take people into deep trance hypnosis before doing like a past life. Well, a QHHT session. It depends if the person um, has anxiety of some type, then I will. But if they don't, then I won't. So then how does it, right? Because I guess from, let's, let's say like from a scientific analytical brain perspective, deep trance and QHHT would be, you're still like at the theta brainwave level or even deeper, right? Or Delta. Mm-hmm. Um, you're uh, so with deep trance, um, sometimes they go into Delta. Okay. Because I don't need them to be in theta. Okay. So it's either delta. Or sorry, with um with the anxiety. Sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> with um working with anxiety, sometimes they go down into delta because I don't need them to be conscious. Uh, but with past life regression, they have to stay in theta because I need them to be conscious. Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so then that's interesting. So but then how does it become different? How does how does trance become different than QHHT if they're still at the same, let's say, brainwave uh, state? Yeah, so they're actually both uh, trances. Um, and I use, so hmm, I should say deep trance is a methodology. And so I use deep trance to bring people down into the theta state so that we can do a past life regression. Mm. Um, So deep trance is present in both. Okay. And yeah, um, maybe I could be more clear. Uh, So with deep trance hypnosis, I can help with anxiety, which is what my focus is, but I can also do like, I don't know, like insomnia or like any other myriad of issue. Um, it's really just a methodology to bring you down into 
the theta or delta brainwave state so I can access the subconscious mind. Gotcha. And then that's where you can kind of Yeah, and it's different. Yeah, and it's different than hypnosis as most people practice it. Um, I like to clarify that this is deep trance because hypnosis, as most people know it, um, it lasts for, I don't know, anywhere between like 20 to 30-ish minutes. Um, and you're in a very light state of trance, almost in the alpha state when the person is talking to you. Um, in the deep trance state, I um, bring them down into trance, both with a yoga position that elicits the relaxation response and then also with like deep trance speaking methods. Um, and they're basically like, they are not speaking and they can fall asleep if they want to, if it's not past life regression, which is not similar to like a normal state of hypnosis. Mm. I feel like I'm getting confusing, but <laughs> I think we're on the same page here. <laughs> okay. But so, then you, so then with, I guess with uh, QHHT, it's like once they're in theta, you kind of guide them versus mm -hmm. if you're in deep trance, it's more yes. just relax. Yeah, just relax. If you fall asleep, if you enter Delta, it's fine. I can still speak to your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. But with past life regression, you want to keep them in theta because, of course, they want the recording of what they're saying. Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. So then if you're in deep trance, that's more of you then going into reprogram stuff. Like, would there be, so like, say I have, let's say someone has a, let's say someone has a money issue. They come to you, they say deep trance. Then are you kind of just repeating affirmations <laughs> once they're in a theta state? Basically, yeah. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's using that deep trance to bring them down into that state. And then what I do, um, how it also differs a bit. I trans or yeah, I practice um, Milton Erickson's version of hypnosis, and so it's not a direct version. And so I'll lead them into a story, which is so interesting. I never thought about this, but um. I'll basically tell them a story. So one of the stories I tell is Alice in Wonderland. Um, and it's um, edited to include some subconscious, um, indirect uh, suggestions. But basically that metaphor is meant to talk about change and how change is always happening. And we ride the waves of change, getting into flow state but it's just a story. <laughs> and then later on, if um, I think that they need a bit more direct hypnosis, then I'll move into the affirmations of like, you are accepting change. You are blah, blah, blah. But like, sometimes all they need is the metaphor. It really depends. That's interesting. Yeah. The subconscious speaks in dream language and dream language is metaphors. So Oof. it takes it either way. Honestly, I mean, coming off of our last, the last interview we just had, that's, uh, <laughs> that's pretty cool to hear you say that, that, uh, yeah. it speaks in metaphors, the dream language speaks in metaphors. Mm -hmm. Cause it seems like, I mean, it comes back to our whole story thing is that if you're being yeah. it, like, that's almost why these stories have been like, whether you're looking at sacred texts or, I mean, even what makes Harry Potter so amazing is that there's elements of sacred texts mm -hmm. within Harry Potter and, oh, or even yeah. Lion King. That's a big example as well. 
And so like these stories are easy to grasp. Holy shit. And there's also a correlation here with what we were talking about with regards to going viral, because you need to be able to distill these down into what's consumable for people to understand. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. It's, um, the more I like do the spiritual work, the more I'm just like, Oh, like everything that I was doing with the stories, with writing, with reading, it's like, it's all so connected. It's just all coming back into it. Yeah. Pretty wild. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I feel like it's a good spot to just wrap it up. Uh, I yeah. believe I have your links. If not, you can feel free to send me them afterwards. Uh, but at this point, I love giving the floor to you know my guests. So say whatever you want to the audience. You want to plug something. You would encourage some people to do something. The floor is yours. Yeah, I would just encourage you to keep learning. <laughs> always read, um, <laughs> read more. <laughs> yeah, always keep expanding your mind and um, uh, whatever comes from within is the most true, which is what we were saying throughout this whole podcast. You know, you know at the end of the day what's the most true to you and uh, just keep following that. Uh, keep an open mind, be kind to people. If you want to follow me, (laughs) you can check out my links uh, down below. I also have um, a anxiety course uh, where I do deep trans hypnosis to help you with anxiety. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Thank you for coming on. It was a great conversation and I know that yeah. I know that I'm for sure going to need to get in touch with you about the uh, QHHT because it's certainly something that yeah, has been pulling at me to try out. Yeah, let me know. Uh, we'll, It'll be oh, fun. You'll know. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all make sure you're well aware. <laughs> uh, I've got a I've got a busy couple of weeks coming up, but we'll we'll get uh-huh. we'll find a calendar date for it. Yes, definitely. All right, awesome. Well, Rush, thank you so much for being here. Uh, on behalf of all the Conscious Monkeys, I'm, I know that they're all pleased with the conversation we just had because big fan of the tangents, love them. <laughs> Keep them coming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I'll have to have you back on the future for just more of this, you know, yes. wisdom. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, guys, go check out her stuff. Super dope conversation. If you're looking for a QHHT person or trans... trans no not trans trans deep trans hypnosis hypnosis. i can't speak more and more talks about death (laughs) and connecting (laughs) to the afterlife (laughs) i mean you know there's a reason that anubis the god of death resonated with me so much and so if it's true this podcast resonates (laughs) with other people then there has to be some correlation of it resonating with you as well yeah so guys uh if that for some reason didn't resonate with you, I know that we will all be resonating together in the sixth dimension. <laughs> <laughs>